Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Okay, we're talking, but we want to hear Albert because, like yesterday, Albert Pujols returned to St. Louis for the first time, Michelle, since Game 7 of the 2011 World Series. And we were there. In a Cardinals uniform. In a Cardinals uniform, right. And it was cool. Designated hitter, Albert Pujols. Okay, first thing we need to work on is Albert's walk-up song. Uh... Because I, I just think there needs to be more oomph to the walk-up song, kind of like "Welcome to the Jungle," like Big Mac had. Should be re- that one should have been retired, by the way, when Carlos Beltran came here. But we're off the rails here, one minute into the show. Seven oh two, your time <laughs> check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, Randy. Um, I always will never. Uh, my favorite walk-up song, I should say, and one that I will never forget is when David Freeze had the Pearl Jam song, and it was like "Freezing." Oh yeah, so good. Really good. So Albert shows up yesterday, and come on, you sign a designated hitter. Hitter doesn't even get a hit. But he was pretty excited about opening day. Well, pretty excited, you know. It was something, you know, when I signed here about 10 days ago, you know, it was something that, you know, we all got excited. You know, the team, Yari, Bueno, you know, some of the guys in the clubhouse, the whole organization, you know, just really looking forward to uh, this day. And, uh just a pretty good atmosphere, like always, you know, I mean, uh, forgot about that feeling, you know, so it was pretty good to be on this side and then, you know, see the Hall of Fame guys and, you know, some of the guys that I play with and uh, just pretty awesome that we come up at the end of the day with the win. Nine nothing was the win, and it was great to see him back wearing number five in a Cardinal uniform. The ovations were superb, and the Cardinal offense was fantastic. You saw him holding back the tears. You could mm-hmm. tell how special that moment was to him, and you could feel how special it was to St. Louis, Randy. We were at the ballpark yesterday, and there was just this current of energy that was pulsing through downtown the entire day, and it reached a crescendo, of course, with the pomp and circumstance and all the majesty of the pregame ceremony ceremonies with the the red jacket guys and the Clydesdales and then of course the special uh, tribute that they did for Wayno and Yachty and Albert but when he stepped into the box for the first time and and everybody mm-hmm. got to their feet and it was the moment we'd all been waiting for it would have been great if you would have hit a home run because I think that's what everybody in that entire building and everyone <laughs> watching was expecting uh, but unrealistic expectations put on him but it was just a really special moment that i think a lot of people are going to remember forever we've told you before we're fans with access we don't bring the sort of credibility to the sport to the microphone that people like brad thompson and and jamie rivers do but as fans with access we're very very lucky 
and we walk into the red jacket room yesterday, and the first guy we see is Jason Isringhausen, mm-hmm. and he comes up and he says, you know he's going to hit a home run today, right? <laughs> he goes, that's what he does. He just delivers on the magic moments. And I said, we both think the same thing. That, that's what he's going to do. But how many people, Randy, when they found out, what did Albert say, 10 days ago, which mm. it feels like three years ago that he, he signed again. I can't believe it was a mere 10 days ago. But when people found out that he was, in fact, confirmed coming back and they bought tickets for the home opener, weren't that they expecting that? That was the expectation, yeah. You bought the ticket because when he came back with the Angels, he gave you that moment. Mm. There's always a, a highly pressurized or a big stage that Albert Pujols rises to the occasion for. And um, I, I was bummed it didn't happen yesterday, but we have 162 games for him to show out. No doubt about it. And then the Cardinals did score nine. Dylan Carlson leading off the Cardinals season with a double. And after Paul Goldschmidt walked, the first of four walks for him. Tyler O'Neill stepped to the plate with a runner in scoring position. The 2-2. Up the middle. Hot shot. Off the glove apart. Here comes Carlson. Throw to the plate. one nothing. St. Louis. Cardinals couldn't get any more, but in the bottom or in the top of the second inning, they showed why they have five gold glove award winners. And the one-two pitch. Into center. Here comes Bader racing. Hey! got it. Harrison Bader with the catch in center. Harrison Bader is magical. I would be really shocked if he didn't win another gold glove this year, Michelle. So would I. He is electric. He's great at his craft. He he is um, Randy for a team that is clearly amazing defensively. You can make the argument that Harrison Bader is the most exciting defensive player on the team. Now, I know a lot of people would think Nolan Arenado might be at the top of that conversation, but Bader always finds a way to mm-hmm. do something that's a highlight reel moment. So after Tutsugo lined out to Harrison Bader, Newman walked, or singled to center, Tucker came up, and Cole Tucker struck out, and Newman, come on, Newman, don't do this. We start Newman, the runner swing and a miss, and the first of many, second base caught stealing Yachty back and nothing's changed what are you doing dude don't don't you have enough of a sample size to know that's the one thing you shouldn't do you think so yeah we're talking decades of tape come on dude so you had the bottom of the first where you scored a run you had the top of the second where you get the great defense then you come to the bottom of the second inning and a couple of runners aboard after paul goldschmidt walked again tyler o'neill stepped to the plate again The first of many for Tyler O'Neill this season, Randy. He's going to have an awesome year. I just feel it in my bones. He said after the game that the team itself is an offensive force. He's going to be an offensive force. When he hits them, they go. That was a fun home run to watch. O'Neill drove in five. Nolan Arnato and Tommy Edmond homered later. Cardinals win it nine to nothing. Adam Wainwright with the victory. Today was a special day, obviously. But I mean, it that felt like old school. Bush Stadium, you know, fans are back, excited. I mean, that felt like real baseball today. That was really cool. So just walking out there, um, I mean, obviously that thing in the beginning they did for us, the ceremony was, uh, I mean, I was worried I was not even going to be able to pitch, you know, trying to make me cry out there, Jimbo. Um, but um, that was it was unbelievable. The fans showed up and were rocking. I mean, I had so much fun because there was really bad traffic in downtown today. 
pulling in for the excitement. Uh -huh. Appreciate everybody coming today. Uh -huh. And uh, I was sitting there just watching people do the hot dogs, and you know, and I was I was looking one guy right in the face. I'm like, hey, what's up? And he was like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> but it was cool because everybody was out there and they were just having a ball, you know, just having a blast. We talked about Albert Pujols rising to the occasion so many times. How about Adam Wainwright? Six yeah. scoreless yesterday. It's unbelievable. He's aging backwards, but any time that there's a big moment and Adam Wainwright gets the ball, you know he's going to deliver, and he did it again yesterday. There are very few as or more reliable in baseball right now than Adam Wainwright. So the Cardinals roll 9 nothing. They're off today, this day, traditionally an off day because you're worried about bad weather for the opener. So you have the second day of the season open. And lo and behold, Michelle, when I was driving in this morning, it was snowing. Yes, it's cold. It's gross outside. We really lucked out with yesterday's weather. Yes, we did. The Blues are back in action tonight at Enterprise Center. I will have the pregame for you at 6 o'clock. And then Curbs and Joey will have the call at 7. Uh, a date night for the great Alex Ferrario. Well-deserved date night, especially with the Blues playing tomorrow. Uh, they play the Islanders tomorrow night. So I'm going to have the pregame tonight, and then we're going to have Lutz Fahnensteel on the postgame show over at OB Clark's until midnight. Oh, my gosh, Randy. Does Lutz know that you're a big soccer guy? I don't know if he... Well, yeah, we've had him on the show, so okay. he knows. I'm glad that he knows. This will be a great time for you guys to so. talk Blues hockey and talk soccer. Yeah, it'll be fun. So uh, I, I will be doing the pregame and the intermissions tonight. Looking forward to that. And we should also note for you that there's a some up and comer that's like in the hunt at Augusta. Mm. I don't have you heard of this Tigre Tiger? This guy is this up and comer was wearing pink. I don't know where he got the idea that he could wear pink on a golf course. Because I, I know you liked it because you like pastels, Michelle. I do. I do. I like a man in pastels. But anyway, that guy shows up. Eldrick Eldrick Woods, I guess is his real name. 71 is what he fired one underneath in the top 10. Can you imagine if his nickname was not Tiger and we called him Eldrick? That he does not look like an Eldrick. Not at all, no. <laughs> and he obviously he was Tiger when he was two, when he showed up on the Mike Douglas show, right? Yeah, that's right. And um, Randy, does T. Gray shop at Target? He, if he does not, he should. And here's... It's great that Tiger is back. I love... I, I wouldn't want to watch anybody else play. But here's the weird thing, Michelle. Who's in the lead? <laughs> I heard it this morning on the way and I forgot. It's amazing. It's Soon J.M. that's it's in the Soon lead. It's Soon J.M., nobody, I was going to say. Nobody knows, that, and Cameron Smith played great yesterday. Nobody knows that Soon J.M. is in the lead. All they know is, all we know, and it's fair because it is Tiger, is that coming off of a broken leg in which he almost had his leg amputated, Tiger Woods fires a one under yesterday on the first day of the Masters. It's an amazing story, and Tiger transcends golf. He transcends sports. He's in our consciousness as just people because he, he's just such a massive figure. But, Randy, even if he wasn't coming back from this horrific car crash and even if he hadn't overcome all of these odds and circumstances to get here, would we still even know if Tiger was in the mix who was in first place or who the leader was, oh, no. we would only be focused on Tiger. Even if he was healthy and right. he was just playing, this is what we do. We love greatness and we love following Tiger. I, I feel badly. You know, we'll remember the PGA Championship because it was in St. Louis, but how many people will remember that as the one that Tiger almost won and they mm -hmm. won't remember that Brooks Kepka won it? I would guarantee most people will not know 
that Brooks Kepka was the guy who came out on top there. They'll talk about the Masters and when he came back and say, and remember, he almost won the PGA Championship leading into yep. that. It will. I, I almost feel badly for some of these other golfers because they'll they're remembered in connection to what Tiger does. We will talk to Jay Delsing about Tiger at the bottom of the hour, and we also invite your golf questions about your game. You can email us at askuncleRandy.com. Ask Uncle Randy always has great ideas, but this is for Jay. So that's at the bottom of the hour. Ask uh, Ask Uncle Randy at 101ESPN.com, or you can text us the question about your golf game for Jay Delsing. But coming up next, get in your peak or pit to 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Up into the peaks or into the pit? Peaks and pits. Join in on the conversation with Character and Smallman now. Text 65780. This is 101 ESPN. Matthew Rocchio is here. Michelle, Randy, it's time for a peak or pit. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle, why don't you begin with your peaks and pits of this particular week? Well, Randy, this entire week has been a peak. We've had an awesome week of shows. We've gotten to visit with so many of our favorite guests. Uh, John Mozeliak, Mr. DeWitt. We talked to Bob Costas. But I always love our conversations with Mark McGuire. And we had a great conversation with Mark earlier in the week. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, you need to download the podcast on the 101 ESPN app. It's free. It's an a really, really wonderful conversation that you won't regret. But at the end of that conversation, he says to Randy and I, I'm going to be down at the ballpark, obviously, for the pregame festivities. If you guys are there, we've got to get together and take a selfie. So Randy and I say, okay, Mark McGuire, we will definitely take a selfie with you. And yesterday, we hunt down Mark McGuire at the ballpark, and he has us come into the first pitch room where all of the Red Jacket guys are just hanging out before the pregame festivities. So the fact that Randy and I got to go in there and chop it up with Joe Torrey and Jason Isringhausen and Mark McGuire, all of the guys that were in there see see uh, Willie McGee come in and get the reception that he did from Ozzie Smith, who we also spoke mm-hmm. to. It was one of the cooler moments of my life. And we got to secure the selfie, which you can see on our social media pages if you want. But that was a, a peak of the week, Randy, and a peak of my life. <laughs> I'm glad. And by the way, social media, Michelle on Twitter and on the Insta at M Smallman. I am at Randy Carricker on the Twitter machine and at RJ Carricker on the Insta. And I know a lot of people have seen it and we invite you to follow us and to check that out. So do you have any pits then? I would say my pit is the weather today because we're riding high off opening day yesterday. We have all these great feelings. Wouldn't it be so awesome to go into Friday with the sun shining? People could get out on a patio, have a cocktail in in the sun with their friends. But instead, it's cold and it's raining and it's snowing. We want to carry the good vibes over. Michelle, my peak, and I should just kind of pencil this in for this segment the day after opening day, is the reaction of Cardinal fans to... The, the Hall of Famers and yeah. to their players. Nobody, and every single player you talk to who's been to all the opening days says it doesn't get any better than this. And we saw yesterday, we're in the clubhouse and they've got a, a screen up, screens throughout the clubhouse with the lineup and things that are happening in a schedule throughout mm-hmm. the day. And for the schedule, when the Clydesdales are going to come out at whatever time it was, it said... If this is your first time here, don't miss this. Trust us. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I love the way that St. Louis does opening day. That's my peak. And my pit, 
and I love being busy. So I went to the hockey game on Monday night. I went uh, Tuesday. I had something going on. I did a oh, I did a, a Mizzou luncheon on Tuesday. Wednesday we went to the ballpark. Yesterday was opening day. Michelle, I have this new driver that we were talking about, and I've probably swung it five times, and that's because I've been happily busy. But that my pit, and that's a good pit to have, yeah, is that I is. haven't had the opportunity to swing that baby. Well, what's the weather going to be like this weekend, Randy? Maybe you get the opportunity. Let's see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, well, today is going to rain all day. Not great. Saturday, a high of 58. Randy, a Sunday is a high of 76. You're going to be swinging that driver on Sunday. There we go. I like that. Enjoy it. Hit it well. Matthew Rocchio is here, and yesterday was Matt's first remote that he had done with us and did a fantastic job and i want to congratulate you publicly on the air and thank you for your hard work and your help in getting us on the air yesterday because not everybody is capable of that i appreciate that you guys did uh incredible and i want to thank whoever uh, before they went home on um wednesday evening put the correct accesses on the board for me because oh, when I got oh, up in the morning, nice. I realized I should have asked Ryder about that last <laughs> night and I didn't because I, in my head I've been like, I've run thousands of remotes. I know how to put an access in the board. <laughs> oh wait, which number do we use here? So thank you to whoever that you know, Spectre was who helped me out too. Perfect. So it was a it was a great show. You guys killed it. It was it was amazing, and I can't wait for people to see hear some of the more bits of the interviews we're going to be pulling and putting up on social media. Looking forward to that. All right, what do we have on the text line from the two one seven peak? Tyler O'Neill's on pace to have one hundred and ten RBIs, <laughs> and his pit I have grad classed tonight and all day tomorrow. Oh, oh no! I school. think he's got on pace for more than that, Michelle. Right? He had five yesterday. Yeah. What's five times one hundred and sixty-two? Stand by. Um, Math. I got a. I have a phone with a calculator, and he's on pace for eight hundred and ten. Yeah, he said he's ten. Oh, I thought you said one hundred and ten. Okay, no. eight hundred and ten RBIs. Okay. <laughs> Peak won two tickets in the office raffle to Sunday's Cardinals game. Pitt. I got a head cold that's in full force already. Oh, that's a bummer. Oh, man. Sudafed well, Mountain Dew, right, Randy? Thank you very much. I was going to say that. Okay. Yeah, Sudafed Mountain Dew. You can cure pretty much any ailment with Sudafed and Mountain Dew, particularly the head cold. <laughs> Just wipe with a little Lysol. Please tell me somebody gets yeah. that reference. And by the uh, way, yeah, and, and oh yeah, you think I haven't seen uh, my big fat Greek wedding? Thank you very no, much, Randy. No, it's Windex, you guys. Oh, it's, not Windex. it's not Lysol. It's not Lysol. If, if we're going to quote the movie, let's get it right. Thank you very much. Okay, well done. And too long since I've seen that movie, apparently. One other quick note, if you're willing to do it. Go in and go to the pharmacy and show them your driver's license and get the high-octane Sudafed. It works even better. (laughs) And get the Mountain Dew Code Red. (laughs) Just take it up to a 10. (laughs) The high-octane Sudafed and a Code Red. You got that right. (laughs) 618 Peak, we got Bally Sports to work this year. Pitt, is, is it snowing this morning? Yeah, it did. Uh, We got one that it's snowing in Wentzville right now. Great. Yeah, there's a little flick on my baseball season. Yeah, right. But you know what? This just further indicates my longstanding theory that God is a Cardinals fan. Because it was okay yesterday. Yeah. I Sky thought it was going verify that your longstanding belief that winter's stupid. Well, winter is so stupid. We're in spring right now, Randy. Technically, we're in spring. <laughs> and at times, spring can also be stupid. Cold miser is stupid. Let's just put that out there. That's right. 314 Pitt going back to the office full time for the first time in two years. Wow. Peak going to a father-daughter dance with my three-year-old daughter tonight. Oh, Enjoy. That's going to be yeah. so cute and so fun. Take so many photos and videos. It was so cool to have everybody at the stadium and downtown full of people yesterday. And everybody was in a good mood, yep. Randy. So many people are angry in today's world. It was so awesome to just walk around downtown and see everyone smiling. And I know that we are 
a different baseball town. We're the best baseball town in America. The but world. I, I, yeah, the world. I made it a point just to observe yesterday because we talk a lot about the future of baseball. It was a really young crowd. Really? It was not. I did not observe uh, it, that. It was not a bunch of people my age. It was a lot of people your age, uh, Michelle, your age, Matthew, oh, and, and younger. There were a lot of young people that were either downtown at Ballpark Village or waiting in line to get into the ballpark. So one thing I always try to pay attention to when we're in the press box, because it's uh, on the upper level and you can mm-hmm. look obviously straight down, is how many people are on their phones. And one thing that I really appreciated was during the Hall of Famers and all the pregame ceremonies, not many people were on their phones and some people were trying to take pictures a little video here or there but most people just stood there and watched and they soaked it in and i thought that was really awesome i hate to ruin anybody's day yesterday but if you want to know hashtag useless it's a phone video from the upper deck I don't know. Maybe they'll go back and say, I was there. Here's the proof. <laughs> That's all you got. It's it's not to enjoy the detail. Are clearly. you telling me it's like a video from a concert of someone singing a song <laughs> where your hand is shaking and the uh, your thumbs over the microphone and you go back and you're like, no, this is the time that I saw the Rolling Stones at the Dome. <laughs> you, you know, if you, zoom, if you zoom in, that's Mick Jagger. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's you've got because if you zoom in, it's blurry, right? It's pixelated. So, like, if you were videoing the Mark McGuire car, what do you have if you're looking on a one and a half inch screen? You know what I never understand is people that go to events like that, especially if you're sitting up high and you're Facebook living it. One time, I, I was at a concert <laughs> right, right. for Lux's Lux um, and Learn, and I went to a concert not that long ago. K-Flay at Del Mar Hall and we were in the very back and there was a guy in front of us that Facebook lived the entire show. I thought, who's really tuning into this? Do yeah. you have anyone tuning into this? Right, good good question. And you're holding your phone up the entire, isn't your arm tired? This sounds like a pit. It's it from- wasn't a pit, it was a head scratcher really. <laughs> it's from the 618, shout out to our friends in the land of Lincoln. Peak, Sky Clark to the Illini. Big time. Pit, the uncertainty of Kofi declaring for the NBA. I know, that one too. But... Let's yeah. just, as we said with Matt off there, we're going to lean into things today. Let's lean into the peak. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah. That's the that's the yeah. highest rated prospect they've ever li- landed. I mean, come on, just lean, lean into in. that. Lean yep. into that. And Let's not worry about Kobe. I love Kobe too, but still, yeah. Mizzou being able to keep Aiden Shaw. Yes, that was kind of a shocker too. The most unexpected thing of the day yesterday. <laughs> I couldn't believe that actually happened. I, I so couldn't happy. either. And now one thing is certain, and that is that. Uh, Dennis Gates is going to go to Aiden Shaw's wedding. Oh, my God. I was right there, and I, I didn't see it coming, and I should have. Maybe he'll officiate. <laughs> that would be wonderful. <laughs> Set it up and knock it down. 314. Peak as great as yesterday was. Was it better than the Uncle Randy segment earlier this week? Hardest I've laughed in a while. Pitt, another person who just, this weather, what is happening? It's April. Yeah. We uh we did get a lot of reaction from Uncle Randy's advice earlier that in the was week amazing. about a uh, a mother whose husband is now being a stay at home dad and she wanted to thank. He's going to have properly. a great weekend. Thanks. You're welcome. I hope he had a great Thursday. Yeah. Um, ask, ask Uncle Randy and like hot food takes get get the most visceral reactions <laughs> so fast on the text line. It's, lot, it's amazing. A lot of people downtown yesterday saying Uncle Randy. They. <laughs> I ran into somebody at our Hubbard party that said, I literally laughed all day. I would think about it after you said that. And so that's when you know that our show is having an effect. When he said, 
in the afternoon before I left work, I thought about that and laughed again. So I'm glad that uh, you, you tuned in, and I'm glad that you enjoy our fr- fun and fr- frivolity here on Character and Smallman. We got a lot of texts from people <laughs> saying, I'm downloading this. I'm going to casually play it for my wife tonight. I would like to see those download numbers, Randy, from that day. <laughs> how, how many dudes listening downloaded that episode to play for their significant other? Thank you, Matthew. Hey, Randy. Coming up, we're going to talk Tiger with Jay Delsing. Plus, if you have a golf question or two about your game, get it into either Ask Uncle Randy at 101ESPN.com or you can just text it in to Matthew on the Air Comfort Service text line. And Jay will give you some tips next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. It's time for a weekly visit with the one and only Jay Delsing, former PGA Tour pro and uh, golf aficionado and expert and all-around great St. Louis. And Jay, how are you doing this morning? Oh, man, good, Randy. Keep going. I don't know how you made that up, but it really sounded good. Go ahead. (laughs) Well, first of all, you are a wonderful guy, a wonderful golfer, and a guy who obviously has a lot of friends and has a great program at 9 o'clock Sunday mornings here on 101 ESPN. Looking forward to that. Hey, what did you think of Tiger yesterday? Were you surprised, shocked, stunned? What was it? Yes. (laughs) I mean, I I really didn't know what to expect, you guys. The last that we had seen him was... Um, the, you know, the PNC, the father and son event, and that got, you know, the golf world a buzz. And it just, it, it's amazing how much drama the best players, uh, our best two players in the last 25 or 30 years in the PGA Tour have created so much drama for golfers since they got, you know, got together with, with Tiger and the off-course stuff and then Tiger getting hurt and Phil with all of his things. And, uh, man, yesterday was just, was just, incredible the fact that he's come so far since January to me, you guys. Jay, tell us what it's like to walk the grounds at Augusta National. We know that Tiger's dealing with these injuries and that he's sore today, and that's something that he's going have to have to overcome as the weekend goes on. But as a healthy person or and a fit person that has walked that course, physically, what's it like for you to do that? It's a lot, Michelle. It's a lot. The first time getting onto the grounds at Augusta National, I was just blown away at, at the undulation, especially at number 10 and number 18. It is dramatically, dramatically downhill at 10 and uphill at 18. And um, that's one of the things that I was most curious to see uh, how he uh, how he was just really going to walk. It sounds really stupid. Uh, I, I was really curious to see how much speed he had gained in his in his golf swing, but um, it's the guy just astounds me. It, it you you can tell you guys that he has got a plan in his head, and it doesn't look a, an awful lot like it used to. But he still knows that course. He's still the most disciplined guy out there, and he's still like, oh man, he doesn't have all the aces like he used to. But he he's got a lot of aces in that bag. He. It's it's impressive. One thing that stands out more than anything in my mind, you guys, is watching him play, watching him kind of conserve his energy and do some of the things he did. And then he hit that really lousy drive on 14 after he birdied 13. I know he was trying to put a little more gas in that drive and hit it awfully. He hit it off the heel of the driver and it went way left and in, into the uh, pine straw. But his exit out of the pine straw 
was vintage old tiger, which tells me there's plenty in the tank because I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but he was in the middle of the forest and he did something. The camera angle wasn't great. He did something, but had so much speed down at the ball with that iron to put it, to get it up in the air fast and, and probably hit it over 200 yards and put it just over the back of the green. And I thought, Hmm, we haven't seen him do that yet. And so there's more in the tank. It's going to be really interesting. The second day back, he's going to be sore, like you said, Michelle. I can't wait, you guys, to watch it. I've got, I've got every TV on right now. You know, up for like four or five hours. And, and, Jay, we're talking about Tiger, but uh, soon J.M. and Cam Smith are in the lead after one round. There's Dustin Johnson lurking, Danny Willett, who's won it before. Who do you like in the tournament? Oh, I know. Isn't it funny? We're not even talking about, you know, the Cameron Smith. Cameron Smith is playing better than anyone right now. He is... Man, this guy's got such a great wedge game, and he is a great putter. He's got one of the funkiest dudes you'll ever see in your mm-hmm. life. It's like a, a mullet that won't go away. Uh, but he's he's got this uh, part of his game that he's found that is just truly exceptional. I mean, we, we talked about this when he won the Players' Championship. He made 10 birdies on Sunday at TPC Jacksonville. That is a lot of pressure and a lot of birdies to be made. And he's the guy to beat, as far as I, I can tell. He shoots four on the par yesterday with bookend double bogeys at start and finish. And um, and and he just seems kind of not really disturbed by it and um, uh, really special. You know, what's interesting, you guys, is none of the leaderboard guys, Dustin Johnson, Cameron Smith, Sunjay M, none of those guys are mad that Tiger's in the field. They're delighted. They're delighted. They're taking all the heat off of him. These guys are still afterthoughts right now. <laughs> And um, it, it makes it easier for them right now. Well, Jay, we always put out the call for people to send in golf questions for you. So we want to get a couple of those in today, like this one from the 636. Dear Jay, I'm going to do my first full round of golf tomorrow with no real experience. What's the one tip that I need to know? Oh, my gosh. You've got to deal with probably feeling really intimidated and, 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 and just... I mean, look around you. The game is so hard. There's a lot of people doing the same thing you're you're going to be doing. I guess the biggest tip I would say is be mindful of your pace of play because everybody's bad. But if you're bad and you're and you're a little quicker than the most and and, and you don't take quite as long, you're gonna feel you're you're not gonna feel as bad. As bad. And what I, I don't mean run after the ball and things like that, but just. You know, if you're having a really bad hole, just go ahead and pick it up. Have a, have another beer. Turn the music up a little bit and just relax and have fun. Jay, this one from Tom Shanahan from Shanahan Crane and Hoist. He was at our party yesterday at Ballpark Village, and he says, I'm dealing with a hamate bone injury, a stress fracture. So that's right below the, the pinky finger and the middle finger. Advice for how to help this and still play. Yeah, that's what, you know, Bryson DeChambeau is dealing with that, right? That, that exact same thing right now. Um, I think the first time I ever heard about this injury, you guys, I think it was when Jose Canseco yep, me too. Bone, swinging a bat or something, Randy. I'm like, I have, I wonder if I have one of those bones in my hand. I've never heard of that before. Um, the, 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 the best, I, I just don't know what sort of pain that he's in, this, this gentleman's in. And so um, I do know after reading about Bryson this week and, and, and trying to be prepared for what he was go, going to do or not do, that they said that, you know, if that bone does happen to break, then there's a surgery, you're out about six weeks, and it's, it's relatively minor. I would try to say 
Well, I mean, what I would think to do is try to forget about it as much as you possibly can. Because when you get, Randy, you know what it's like. If you, you could put a rock in your shoe or something that just makes something totally unrelated to what you're trying to do, and it gets in your mind and you're like, gosh, I just can't, you know, I can't swing the same way I'd like to. I, so if you're favoring it, it's probably not going to, to go well. So do, as, do the best you can is to just pretend like it's not there. Jay, this one from the 636. Hey, Jay, how do I slow down my swing without losing distance? Love your show. Oh, thanks. You know what, Michelle? This is this is one of the things that I work on all the time because what what we we want to slow our swing down, you guys. First of all, you want to crush it. That's all there is to <laughs> it. Everybody wants to try to hit a bomb. So the way to do that is work on slowing the pace down to first 12 to 15 inches off the ball. And what um, I've got Ben Crenshaw coming on the show this week, and he talked a little bit about how important that first little bit of your backswing is because it helps you finish your backswing and put speed in the right place, you guys. And one of the things that happens to most amateurs that you see PGA Tour guys do extremely well is the speed is down at the bottom of the ball and on their way through and not on their backswing. And you see a lot of amateurs that want to really crush one. And I do this too. I don't know why I said amateurs. I do this all the time when I want to hit one extra far is I'll speed my backswing up. And that usually gets me out of position. I don't hit the ball nearly as soundly, nor do I hit it straight. Jay, one last uh, question here. And this is from, uh, let me get back to it because it just, uh, popped up uh, from the three one four, and you you and I have talked about this before. How do you approach long putts? What is your thought process on ensuring a two putt? Yeah, so first of all, that's a great question. And so first of all, you got to understand what the speed of the greens are like because if you go and play, Randy, you play at all the Whitmore courses. Just say mm-hmm. if you go from the one of the two great courses out um, at the Whitmore uh, at Whitmore Country Club, or then you go to the Bluffs. You are going to go and experience two different speeds of, of greens over there. You just you, you just are. As similar as they are, as close in relationship geographically as they are, they just are different. So first of all, when we go out and play, you 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 check out and you hit some putts on the on the putting green before you get on the course. The other thing, and this sounds crazy, but you get a lot of feedback from your feet, whether the greens are soft or cushy, they're bumpy, they're firm. The, the first thing that the golfers do, their first point of contact is their feet onto the ground. And so pay attention to that a little bit. And then when you're reading a green, when I was a little kid, some, well, I was told a lot of things, and hope, hopefully I forgot most of them. But one great little tip was if you had a bucket of water and you dumped it onto the green, watch which way the water rolls. So it'll help you determine the high points and the low points. And if you're at a long putt, you're likely to have a, a bunch of little dips and, and curves in there. So pay attention to that and try to try to find out where those high points are so those are going to affect the break of the putt the most. And, and, and we, it, this sounds like a hell of a lot of information to be thinking about, but as you get tuned into this, you'll pick all this stuff up in you know, three or four seconds and it'll log into your brain and it'll help you with your feel. Jay, you're always great. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it, and we're looking forward to the show on Sunday morning. I hope I didn't confuse anybody too much. I don't think so. Myself, given all these golf tips. (laughs) That was great. We appreciate it as always. Have a good weekend. You guys too. Thank you. Thanks. Jay Delsing with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Take it or leave it. Coming your way with Michelle, Randy, and Matthew on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. We welcome your text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Randy, Michelle, Matthew with you. And uh, Michelle, my first one's going to be a little inside media. Oh. Okay. So Michelle and I yesterday are standing in the Cardinal Clubhouse before the game, and our friend Katie Wu joins us. Yes. And says, this is the first time I've ever been in here. Hmm. Hadn't thought of that. First time yesterday after a year that Katie Wu has been in the Cardinal Clubhouse. Take it or leave it. You're shocked that somebody can develop the contacts, the stories, and the scoops that Katie Wu has without ever having stepped foot in the Cardinal Clubhouse because of the pandemic. I'll take it. Uh, I I almost wanted to leave it because I'm not shocked. After you meet Katie, you Mm -hmm. understand why she's so good at her job. So after knowing her, I'm not shocked that she's able to do that because she's so good at what she does but yes not being able to walk in there and chat up guys and and develop those relationships face to face it it's just a we need to reiterate to the people that read her just what a wonderful job that she's it done. really is remarkable it's, yes it's great and now i don't know how it could get better but it's going to get better because katie does have uh, an ability to talk to people she's just really good at it but when I thought about it, I was for all of the things, the the player stories that she's done and the scoops that she's had. It's really phenomenal. Okay, I'm going to piggyback off that. I'm going to throw mine out the window and piggyback okay. off that. Whether it's print or broadcast, take it or leave it. St. Louis has the best people covering their individual teams in the country. Whether it's Jeremy Rutherford mm-hmm. and Katie Wool at the Athletic, if we're talking Danny Mac, BT, Jim Edmonds, whomever is in the booth there. Um, whether it's Curbs and Joey on the Blues or Panger and JK, Jamie Rivers there as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many unbelievable, Derek Gould yep. on the, there's so many people in St. Louis that are on the media side that get such great information and analysis. We're really lucky. When I was at the network, we used to watch a lot of the other local broadcasts when I worked in I'm telling you, it does not happen this way in other markets. No, I'm going to take that. And you're exactly right. Aside from the markets where there's just a a massive amount of people covering like New York. Let me put it this way. We have much better insider coverage of our teams here in St. Louis than they have in L.A. Yes. And I'm sure I probably left someone out as I was just rattling mm-hmm. the names off there. Jim Thomas doing a great Thank job. You. Dave Matter with uh, STL you. today with their beats. Yeah, they do a great job. Absolutely. All right. Matthew, what do you got for us? 314 says, take it or leave it. Pujols stays as the full-time DH. Every time he's in the lineup, the Cardinals explode for runs. I'm going to leave it. I'm guessing that tomorrow against a right-hander, Corey Dickerson will be your designated hitter. Yeah, I think yesterday was a, a special day. <laughs> yeah, kind of an outlier. <laughs> kind of an outlier, yeah. 618, take it or leave it. Ooh, this is spicy. The St. Louis City SC fan base will be bigger than the St. Louis Rams fan base was. Hmm. I'm going to leave that. I, it's just mathematically impossible because the Rams were drawing 50,000, 45,000 a game. But how many people put down ticket deposits for City SC? Well, when the Rams came here for 66,000 seats, they got 72,000 account requests for more than 200,000 seats. But the NFL was already a really big brand yeah. at the time. And not that 
and MLS is still a growing yeah. brand here, right, and right. we're already getting over 50,000 ticket yeah. deposits. I wonder if over time we don't see that fan base be bigger than what the Rams was. W- and by the way, they're going to yeah. put a good product on the field they consistently. Are. Yeah, I, I would think that when you go 15, 20 years down the road, that that's a possibility. But mathematically, if you have 66,000 seats as opposed to 22,000 seats, yeah. it's just logical that the the football and the biggest sport in America, <laughs> it's, it's going to be different. Six, seven, no. Five seven three. Excuse me. Take it or leave it. If Adam Wainwright has another season like he did last year, he will not want to retire, and he will come back for one more year. Take it. I think I'll take it too. Yeah, he's already telling. You know, you heard you heard Jim Hayes on the broadcast yesterday telling people. You know, Wainwright's saying tamp it down. You know, don't don't be talking retirement tour for me. Yeah, don't he, don't you know don't age me out now. Let, let me yeah. make that decision myself. He's got two rules, and the first one is we don't talk retirement. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, 314, take it or leave it. If that ha- John Ham narrated video yesterday about the end for pools, <laughs> Wayno and Yachty didn't make you tear up a little bit, then you are heartless. Take it. So we were in the press box and you couldn't really hear it. So I left the press box to stand out on the concourse and listen to it. And since I missed the beginning, I watched it again when I went home last night. Mm-hmm. I, I saw the Cardinals had pushed it out on social media. So I wanted to make sure to watch it. Wow, was that powerful. That was so good. And. If you if you watch that and you're a St. Louis sports fan and you don't feel something, if you don't feel a little stirring emotionally, then yes, you I don't know what's going to get you. I really don't. And it was cool that the players who were getting ready to come out on their Ford pickup trucks were all standing down right outside the wagon gate so that they could watch the video before they hopped into their trucks. They were uh, lingering down in their trucks or on their trucks. They were out on the field watching. That. Yes, yes. 618, take it or leave it. Tyler O'Neill hits 34 or more home runs this year. Take it. I'll take it. I think he's on pace for 162. Oh, yeah, I think so too. So then the Anything person less is a disappointment. <laughs> the person, so the person who says that Bro O'Neill's going to have a 50 home run year at some point in his career, take it or leave it, you're going to take that? Oh, yeah, I'll take it because he's going to hit 162 and drive in 810 this year. That's going to be fascinating. Uh, and, the, take, and those are conservative estimates. They really are, yeah. <laughs> I apologize. We're going to do a little math here. Take it or leave it. Oh, man. Harry Bader and Tommy Edmond combined for 35 homers and 150 RBI. I'm going to leave that. It's a lot. Yeah, that's high. It's a lot that's, of RBIs, 150 RBI. Yeah. 20 and 15 home runs, respectively, right. for like each of them, if you want to break it out. And then... 80 and 70 RBI? That's our RBIs? I that's mean, pretty that's, hard. That's, that's, you're asking a lot there. Um, take it or leave it. Dakota Hudson is the number two pitcher by the end of the year behind Wayno. Uh, I'm going to leave that because Randy Carricker has Jack Flaherty going 16 and 4. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm leaving it. Yeah. Uh, game one of the playoffs, it's still going to be Wainwright. Game two of the playoffs is going to be Jack Flaherty. Game three of the playoffs, all due respect to Dakota Hudson, is going to be Miles Michaelis. And game four will be Then Steven it'll be Mets. Dakota and then and then Mets. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Take it or leave it. The outfield, so I guess Carlson, O'Neal, and Bader combined for 90 home runs. Well, let's see. We're gonna get a, I mean, well, well I mean, how Bader's going to do that himself. How I mean, many I mean, is O'Neal getting? 162. Yeah, 162. Yeah, so, so you got to take it, right? No, you got to leave it because it's too low. Let's, okay, okay, so let's say this. If O'Neal, legitimately, if O'Neal gets 40 home runs. Let's put him at 35. 35. Well, that means that means, that means you're going to have to come up with another, what, uh, 55? Would I be surprised if uh, 55 from Dylan Carlson, Carlson hit 25? That means you're, there's still 30 from Bader. That's not, the math's not getting to 90 no, then. No, no. I'm going to leave that. 
Uh, take it or leave it. Tyler O'Neill is in the conversation for the best Canadian baseball player of all time. Take it. Leave it. He's I mean, in the Larry Walker is number one. You've got Fergie, yeah, Fergie Jenkins who's in the Hall of Fame. Randy, when Tyler O'Neill completes this season and he hits 162 home runs and drives in 800, what well, was it, 801 810. runs? 810. 810 runs, he's going to be in the conversation. Then he'll be in the conversation. But at the moment, I think you have to go with Fergie Jenkins or Larry Walker or Terry Swimming Pool. And I think this is the biggest storyline of the day. 314, take it or leave it. Nolan Arenado, Nolan Arenado is aiming to have better hair than Harrison Bader. He's trying. That's the low key story. He's of working yesterday. on the flow. I mean, it's it's been growing. It ain't gonna happen. But he's trying to. What's the uh, take it or leave it? If he's trying, yes, effective. It's an effective attempt. But when Harrison Bader on the video on the big screen tosses his flow up <laughs> and it goes backwards before he puts his helmet on, and that's the brand, you got a long way to go. But if he's trying. It's good to try. I'm going to keep my eye on I could try. Season. Now, Nolan's going to try better than me. Can you try? More effectively. I want you to try. Can you do it for you us? You know what? I, my hair gets poofy when it gets, I feel kind of shaggy when I grow my hair. But can you try for us? Uh, I could try, but I'm not going to. <laughs> you know what I realized? You asked him if the hitters had this kind of, some of the competitions that the way the pitchers do, and he was like, not really. No, I asked him but about it, the outfield defensively. Or, 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 and so I'm like, you know what? It's got to be. There's the competition that it is. It's the it's them. It's him competing. Him and Arenado competing for the better hair this season. I know, but That's I only asked about mention. the outfielders. That's I only true. asked about the outfielders. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up, some more reaction to opening day yesterday at the ballpark. We'd love yours if you were downtown. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by the Schnooks Rewards app. Check out Good For You. A free wellness program available in the app today. Arenado out to deep left at the wall. Gone! Nolan goes deep. Last year he did it on opening day. He does it again in 2022. And the Cardinals are pouring it on here at Bush. 9 nothing was the final yesterday. Danny Mack the call yesterday on Bally Sports Midwest. And Michelle, Albert Pujols, and Yadier Molina both failed to hit a home run yesterday. So they are tied with four opening day home runs for the Cardinals. Tied for first. Nolan Arenado is halfway home. Halfway home after two years. It's becoming a bit of a tradition for Nolan Arenado to hit an opening day home run, is it not? Yeah, very Um, impressive. But he told us last week, Randy, that he wants to be a better version of himself Mm -hmm. this year. And so far, so good. It's 8.06. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. It was a great day yesterday. Obviously, we would have preferred that the sun was out and there not be the breeze and it be a little bit warmer than 49 degrees. But it was what it was, and we couldn't control that. But the Cardinals could control the Pirates. And it was a day, obviously, that presented a lot of nerves for even a veteran player like Albert Pujols. What was going through his mind as he prepared for his Cardinal uh, redux as a a Redbird? Actually, you know, until I walk out there, uh, you know, to say hi to the guys, that's, that's when I felt like I was getting a little bit emotional, you know. 
Uh, in my first at bat, believe it or not, you know, uh, I tried to, you know, really play it cool and all that, but man, it's just, you know, it's just pretty awesome, you know. I mean, that these fans are, that's why they're the best in baseball. And, uh, you know, just be back here, you know, where everything started for me and, <clears throat> you know, try to finish my, my career and try to finish strong, you know, with with a championship. I, I think uh, it's pretty special. So hopefully we can do that for the city. Hopefully we can do that for the three guys that are retiring this year. Hopefully we can do it, you know, for the rest of the guys that are here. Three guys that are retiring. Hmm. Hmm. But I like that he's thinking championship. And it's amazing all the big moments that he's been in that he would still get nervous or, yeah. or still have a certain type of feeling before a game like yesterday. You know what's amazing to me is that in this community, a lot of people that listen to this show, the text into this show, that get in touch with us on Twitter, they so much take the playoffs for granted and say it's not a big deal. Albert Pujols thinks that getting to the playoffs is a big deal. Well, when you get used to it and then you leave St. Louis and you don't do it for 10 years, mm-hmm. uh, I think you you miss it and you realize that yeah. you were in a pretty good position earlier. Yeah, sometimes you got to be careful of what you wish for. The grass isn't always greener, right? No, it's not. Well, the money might be greener, but... The money is a lot greener. But if, if you're a fan and you can't wait for this ownership or this pobo to be gone, take a look around. As Bob Costas told us yesterday, the Yankees had their first decade since the teens without a playoff appearance. And he said, not the 1900 and teens. <laughs> okay, I was thinking about the Pirates yesterday. Um, what year was it? 2014, maybe? The Michael Walker season mm-hmm. where the Cardinals and the Pirates had, yeah. had the first round together. Look at where the Pirates are now. You want to talk about all the success the Cardinals have had from just even that playoff series until now and the position that they're in, hopefully to win their division and get to the playoffs again. The Pirates yesterday looked like a triple-A team, Randy. They yeah. were, and their their best player signs a deal, and then he gets injured at the early into the game. I mean, if you're a Pirates fan, what do you have to feel excited about? Right, and I do think there's a lot to be excited about here, and yesterday presents a lot of that because we think, based on what we saw in the second half of the offense, and a, a belief, I don't know if it's unreasonable or not, they aren't going to score nine runs a game, okay? Yeah, I said they would, but they aren't. They aren't going to finish with a plus 14.58 run differential. But based on what we saw down the stretch last year from O'Neill and Bader, add them to Goldschmidt and Arenado, and you have a chance to have a pretty good core, and Dylan Carlson too, by the way, a pretty good core for your offense. It's going to come down to the health of the starting pitchers as to whether or not the Cardinals are going to succeed. Yesterday gave us every indication, did it not, that if the Cardinals can keep that starting pitching healthy, they can be a team to be reckoned with. Yes, and I know that all of us aren't 100% sold on the offense because of the past couple of seasons, the inconsistencies that have presented itself, but this is a lineup that can do some damage. And mm-hmm. if we do see them consistently produce this year, I think that they are going to be, there's going to not be an easy out in the lineup, no. at least hopefully. But that's really what the issue has been. It's not that the talent hasn't been there. It's been the consistency. Now, a couple of other things about yesterday. It was great to see Ballpark Village packed again. We talked to Mike LaMartina, the COO of Ballpark Village, about the fact that for the first time since the pandemic started, they were able to really load it up on a baseball day, and they did. Having people sit next to each other throughout the stadium and sell it out. That was the Cardinals' first sellout since 2019. So that was awesome for me to see. And then 
just the fact that St. Louis is so emotionally attached to this franchise and that people were really into it, whether they were inside the stadium or not. I ran into several people who said, we're just here to be around. We don't have tickets to the game, but we're here just to be around the atmosphere. Yeah, we were at the Budweiser Brew House yesterday. One on one ESPN was all day long. Randy and I got things started in the morning, and by the time we got off the air at 10 a.m., the place was bumping. There were so many people there that were downtown. A lot of people not even with tickets to the game, as you mentioned, just wanting to be part of the environment. Then we went over to the ballpark, and Randy, I left, I don't know, maybe like the sixth inning to go back to the Budweiser Brew House, check out the fast lane for a little bit, and you would not believe how many people were still at Ballpark Village or just walking around downtown that wanted to be there. And everyone was smiling. Everyone mm-hmm. was in a good mood. And we love sports because we like to witness greatness and we we like the competition as- aspect of it. But the great thing about sports sports is that it's galvanizing it brings us together and after two really tough years where we haven't been further apart in so many aspects including physically we, we are actually socially distancing from one another to see everybody together downtown and everybody be happy and everybody be pulling the rope the same way and cheering for the same thing was a breath of fresh air and i wish that i could capture that energy <laughs> and sell it so that we could all feel that way all the time and last year down the stretch the last three games the cardinals Drew better than 40,000. You had a series against the Cubs after the 17-game winning streak in which the Cardinals drew 41, 45, and 46. I guess 46 would have been a sellout last year. But aside from those last three games, October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, the Cardinals had... On September 18th, a home game against the Padres with 40,000. And then the the Labor Day game against Albert and the Dodgers, where you had 43. Otherwise, the Cardinals didn't have a home crowd of 40,000 last year. Wow. So they're going to, in their first three games this year, because tomorrow and Sunday they're going to eclipse 40,000, they're going to match the number of home 40,000 crowds they had last year on the first weekend of the season. We keep calling it the Albert Pujols effect, but... The biggest ovation yes- yesterday by far was for Yadier Molina. Yeah. And I think we, because of the the immediacy of the Albert Pujol signing, it was, as he mentioned, only 10 days ago, which feels crazy. But I think we are, because of that, that might have eclipsed a little bit us recognizing how many people are actually buying tickets to say goodbye to Yadi mm-hmm. and to appreciate and, and show their adoration for Yadier Molina. And appreciate the fact that Willie McGee is a coach. Randy, (laughs) Willie McGee always gets the loudest ovation. Everybody loves Willie McGee. If you don't like Willie McGee, I don't like you. That's a good approach to take in life. Do you think there's anyone that dislikes Willie McGee? There cannot be. I don't know. It is 2022. People dislike everybody. But whether it's when we were fortunate enough to be in the room with the Red Jacket guys, the way that they all responded when Willie came through the door, the way the crowd goes crazy when he's hopping hopping off the vehicle, um, the way the players respond to him, everybody loves Willie McGee. It was a great day. Great opening day for the Cardinals over at Bush. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, Joe Vitale. As the Blues get ready to take on the Wild in a big game tonight. Joey V on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're talking Blues hockey. It's the Joey Vitale Report on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by The Electrical Connection. When you need quality electrical work for your home or business, visit electricalconnection.org. We 
Michelle and Randy, and it's always great to go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line when standing by is one of our favorite people in the whole world. It's Joey V, Joe Vitale, joining us on 101 ESPN. Can't wait to do the pregame tonight for the Blues and the Minnesota Wild. Alex Ferrario is going to be off tonight. So, Joe, you have to be stuck with me in the booth. Hey, Randy, I, I never, ever, ever feel bad about that because knowing you, you probably already got the Traeger fired up. Fired up. Get the carrot cake mix ready to rock because you're going to surprise your favorite color analyst tonight with a carrot cake. I know you. The walnuts. Don't forget to put the walnuts on. You know I like the walnuts. <laughs> walnuts and the little carrots, right? Oh, and you pipe the carrot. God, you pipe the carrot. You know, people, you, you got some finesse. You got you got a little artsy in you. Don't, don't let anyone fool you. You're this rugged, tough sports guy. You know, the, the fact that you took the time not only to pipe an orange carrot, you actually mixed in a little green for the stem. Don't think I didn't see that. This is Joan. This is my wife that gets the credit for that. Uh, okay. For Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Your wife did it. Sure. Sure, yeah. yeah my, my, my wife did it, too. Got it. <laughs> Uh, Joe, I see. I really appreciate how you did that, where you just on the air are going to peer pressure Randy into firing up the Traeger and making the carrot cake. That was a brilliant move, and I'm going to definitely steal that in a few weeks. He's already texting his wife right now. Hey, can you fire up the I'll be home. I'll be home in a couple hours. By the way, I need I need carrots. I need flour. I need sugar. Yeah, he's gonna be standing outside in the cold and the snow making the carrot cake for you today. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm only kidding you, Randy. I've had my sugar fill for the day. My kids. Uh, it's popular this week around St. Louis. I'm not sure why why it is this week, but Donuts with Dads was this morning. So I've had my donut fill, my sugar fill. I'm good to go for the day, so don't don't worry about it. When you open up the variety case of donuts, which one does Joe, Joe Vitale go for? Is it a Long John? Is it a classic glaze? Where are you going? Oh, just this classic. You know, I, I love a good old-school, old-fashioned donut, Michelle, like the, the sourdough one. Oh, yeah. Or the, even, you know, this, the ones that got to dunk. I got to dunk it in the coffee, you know. Uh, my frustration with donuts these days is they're so flimsy. When you dunk them in coffee, they fall apart. I need something with some some body, with some girth, like with some density to it. You know, yeah. that's why I love I love those old fashions where you can take a dunk, a quick two second dunk, pull it out, and it still is intact. That to me is a good donut. I too like a thick donut, Joey. I appreciate that. All right, well, we have a big one between the Wild and the Blues, two and three seed matchup. This is this is one feels like it's going to be a playoff game. I know the Blues have been saying that all of these games feel like a playoff matchup, but this one really feels like that's where we're going. Yeah, I think I think we're going to learn a lot tonight. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what to expect, but I will say uh, we will learn a lot. I think Minnesota is going to learn a lot. I think the division is going to learn a lot. I think this this matchup is going to remind me a lot of what happened this past week with Minnesota and the Nashville Predators. You know, the uh, Minnesota going to Nashville. There were four fights in the game. Of course, uh, the Nashville Predators end up winning that game. Uh, a fascinating game, maybe one of the more entertaining games in the Central Division all season long. But just two big heavyweights in this division going at it head to head. At this time of the year, I mean, this, this is really what it's about. I don't remember a playoff push, a playoff race being this tight and exciting uh, with, with this many games left in the season. So that, that's number one. you know. But I, I look at how these teams are built. Um, yes, they're both heavy. Yes, they're Central Division heavyweights. But at the same time, they're also built kind of differently. You know what I mean? They're, they're very different in, in a lot of ways. Uh, I think in some ways the Blues are kind of an interesting group because they have so much production from so many players versus the Minnesota Wild, where maybe they have more of a superstar kind of set. 
so I like the Blues in, in that way for a playoff setting where when you can use your depth and have that much production up and down the lineup, to me, that's a strength. Uh, but then, again, I look at the Minnesota Wild and look at how physical and heavy their bottom six are especially. Uh, they get DeLaurier at the deadline. He's added some personality to that group, and he's definitely going to bring that personality tonight. You, you better you better be uh, searching about that. So will the Blues have a response there? Uh, but from the goaltending standpoint on out, both teams are built very well. It's going to be an exciting one. If they got tickets tonight, you're going to watch. Uh, get get seen and get buckled up because it's going to be a fun one. By the way, speaking of Delorier, uh, one of my all-time favorite movies is Back to the Future, and so I, I just think that was really fun. The the the, the time machine. That, Isn't it Delorean? Oh, Delorean. Okay, whatever. Delorean. Same thing. Same <laughs> yeah, thing, okay. Ray. But hey, did you see his press conference the other day? He did a press conference after the game. I mean, you want to you want to see what a hockey player looks like? Like he's old school. Right? He's got this ripped shirt. He's jacked beyond, <laughs> jacked beyond years. He's got a ripped shirt. He's got his tattoos visible, like, coming through his chest. He's got, a, like, a broken schnoz. He's got two black eyes. He's, like, got cuts everywhere. I mean, he's a player um, that a lot of a lot of people kind of forgot about at the deadline. Everyone's looking mm-hmm. at the big-name players and the big defensemen, the Lindholms out there, of course, you know, players like the Nick Letty and, and kind of players being going around there. But you kind of forget about those fourth-line personality guys, and, of course, they – they swiped him in there from Anaheim, and he has done nothing but bring physicality and personality, and he's actually scored a couple goals as well. So a massive addition for Billy Guerin in the Minnesota Wild. Um, but he, he, he's a player in this league. He's probably one of the maybe five or six left, I would say, that he can play a power forward game like Ryan Reeves. But, boy, he can smack and he can hit you and he can fight. Hey, Joe, yesterday we had David Perron on the show, and if the Blues win tonight, they would hold the home ice advantage. They'd be in second place in the division over Minnesota. And I asked David Perron how important it was for this team to have home ice early on, and here's his response. I want you to listen. If we do end up starting on the road, or if, if we go to the second round and we're on the road against another team, whatever it is, I don't mind starting a series on the road. I feel like you almost get in that playoff mindset sooner. The reason is you fly a day or two earlier to the road city. You're already kind of in that mindset from the time you step on the plane versus being at home and kind of uh, tiptoeing around until the first game happens. I'm not saying it's it's uh, the end of the world to start at home. We'll, we'll obviously try and get that. We want more home games in front of our fans, but uh, I don't think our team is scared the, the whether it's home or road. It's an interesting thought, and we as fans don't think of it that way, but I get it. I get being on the road, being together, not having to just think about it while you're sitting at home and and being able to bond. And then on the road, you naturally, especially in the playoffs, play a simpler game, don't you? Oh, absolutely. For me, first and foremost, um, you guys getting David Perron. I mean, I I don't know if there's a better Blues player to get right now. I mean, he's a player, a veteran guy at the end of, kind of not the end of his career, but, you know, it's winding down. I mean, he's got X amount of years left. Uh, and you know what? He's just the way he approaches, you know, talking and answering questions. He, very thoughtful answers. Like I, I love talking to David. I love picking his brain. We love. I was hot stove with him up at Edmonton. We were talking about the, the Edmonton Oilers. He was talking about. Uh, he opened up about how the Oilers, you know, to him, it, it's going to be very hard for them to be, ever be successful because they basically have McDavid and Leon Draisaitl have a boatload of confidence, but everything kind of filters through those two players, and and until they figure out how to give confidence to other players. They're never going to win um, in a long stretch of hockey in the playoffs. Just, I mean, just very insightful stuff, and, and I love hearing his answers. I love the thought-out answers, and he's very honest. Uh, he's very witty, uh, but he, he gives good information, and um, you know, I think he's very authentic and genuine, which is great. You know, the, the comments itself, uh, Randy Michelle, I think that they're spot on. 
you know, I think if you were to sum it up, what he's trying to say is, let's just go back to game six back in 2019. The Blues are up 3-2, right, in that series. They have a chance to come home and make history, obviously, and win their first Stanley Cup. And they have, they have the ability to do it on home ice. I mean, we all remember that game. Everyone was going to the rink. Everyone was extra early. The players talked about how they were even earlier. They were, they were getting text messages. Hey, you need to show up a little bit earlier. There's going to be traffic issues. Uh, if they were to win, these are the questions the players did not want to answer. But, you know, if we were to win, this is how the post game is going to go. Da, da, da. And again, you don't want to think about that, but you have to plan for that. So there's so much that goes into whenever you're playing a home game, you got to line up tickets, right? Your wife's at home with the two kids. You're helping out, changing the diaper here and there. Hey, babe, you know, you're going to the game. Yeah, your mom, your mother-in-law is coming in town. She's going to help me out here. Okay, well, where do you want to go for dinner at? It's just not not to say it's a distraction because your family's never a distraction, but it, it, it is a lot more thinking outside the game of hockey. Let's just put it that way, right? You're driving to the rink. You got to make sure you account for traffic. Is your Starbucks line going to be long? You got to say hi to certain people. You know, it's, it's all these different things. Get your tickets lined up. There's so much things as a player when you're on home ice there's things that are going through your mind. And again, I'm not going to sit here and say the distractions, but it does occupy that space in some way. And so whenever something's occupying the space, then of course um, the space that's not being occupied at times maybe might be that hockey. So I actually agree with them. I actually don't think that home ice is that big of a deal. I think it's more about the matchup and who they're going to get. Now, certainly right now it does look like it's going to be the Minnesota Wild. And if it were to be that way, and let's just say the playoffs were today, they start in Minnesota. Randy, you're right. You leave, you leave a day or two early. You get settled. You're in the hotel. You're with your teammates. You go home. You're getting plenty of rest, right? There, there's no baby monitor where, where you're laying with your wife and you feel bad and feel guilty. I, I got the baby. You know, there's nothing like that. You just you go to bed. You put the earplugs in, your sound machine on. You get some you rest, you wake up, you get your breakfast, you're in your routine, and you quietly go to the rink on the bus. Everything's scheduled for you. You get to the rink, you do your morning skate, you go home, nap, meal, game, and it's just business, right? And that's what I think these players really enjoy the most. And to me, it's no, it's no, it's no reason why that you look at a lot of these teams on the road and how a lot of teams do win cups and championships on the road because it is just kind of that, that level of distraction that maybe these players um, aren't, aren't as accustomed to in these big kind of moments. Last thing for Joe Vitale, native of St. Louis, Midwestern guy, tough hockey player, tough, hard-nosed, fighting hockey player. So with that being the case, when Kelly Chase did his playoff intro a few years ago, or when you saw the Cardinal video yesterday honoring Albert and Yachty and Wayno, do you ever get a little misty-eyed? I know you're a tough guy, but you could. we're in the trust zone here. Do you ever get like get a little uh, misty-eyed? Do you, uh, does you, it take your breath away a little bit? Oh, for sure. Don't don't, don't even, I mean that those chase those chase videos last year, and you know, and of course when Brett Hall kind of pitched in, and you hear the voiceovers of, of of the greats. I mean, listen, it brings you back. It brings you back to the memories when when you were a kid, and I think that that's what it, it triggers people, right? And you know, you know, hearing you guys talk about Willie McGee, for example, I used to love Willie. You know, those right when I started watching baseball, and I'll never forget the way his jaw was always kind of set to the side, like he had a big dip in. Right, I never, yeah, I didn't know what he was chewing, but now I know what he was chewing. But uh, you know, you never forget, you never forget things like that. You know, I had the. I had the pleasure of growing up with Whitey Herzog, just lived two doors down from me, still lives there, you know, uh, by my parents' house. And we, we small talk every now and then. And I, I would go on little fishing adventures with, with Whitey when I was in high school after this is before he became in the Hall of Fame. But we go on fishing trips and he tells so many stories about, about the bullpen and how they, um, how they would, they would, they would never have like a in hockey of a morning skate. Right. In baseball, they were just fish all morning and fish all afternoon. Then they'd show up at the ballpark and, 
and uh, just love picking Whitey's brain and just and just hearing the stories. And and I'll never forget one he said. Uh, I think I was like 13 years old. I was just kind of I was kind of right in the middle of puberty right there. And uh, he's like, you know, Joe, stay away from them women. And he's talking about women. You know, I, I was I was really, I wasn't really into women. You know, I mean, I was I mean, I was kind of getting interested in women, but not really. He's like, women and booze. Women and booze don't mix. So I'm learning all these things from Whitey. And he goes, yeah, especially especially martinis, Joe. He's like, martinis are like women's breasts. One's not enough, but three's too many. Don't ever forget that. Like, okay, Whitey. I go, sounds good, Whitey. Just, just, just give me the lure. Just give me the bait. Where's the hook? Oh. I want to get home. I just want to get home. But you know what, Joey? You never forgot it. I never forgot. Yeah, right, Michelle. Well. See, here we are still talking about it. And he wasn't wrong. <laughs> he is not wrong. I've had three martinis. I've never had three of the other. I've had three martinis, and it's too much. Joey V, we'll see you at the rink tonight. Can't wait. See you guys. Have a great weekend. You're the best. That's Joe Vitale on 101 ESPN. I'm crying. <laughs> Can you talk? Joe Vitale is a treasure. He's he the best. is a treasure. <laughs> That's great. What a great story that uh, he grew up two. I didn't know that he grew up two houses down from Whitey Herzog. There's, there's so many moments in life, Randy, where I wish we had a reality show type peek into, like Nolan mm-hmm. Arenado at a, at his fantasy factory baseball yeah. warehouse. I I would watch that reality show all day to watch the likes of Albert Pujols and Mark McGuire hang out at the fantasy mm-hmm. factory. I would watch a reality show of Whitey Herzog and Joe Vitale fishing and talking oh. about life. I would binge that so fast. It would be great. Can you imagine the stories and the conversations those two would have? It would be spectacular. That's Michelle. I'm Randy Matthews here, and he's got a very difficult fight for us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. It's time to fight a Friday edition of The Fight on Carricker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It's 838 in St. Louis. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Randy's challenger this morning is Nick, who's joining us on the phone here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Nick. How are you? I'm doing well. It's Cardinals opening day. Got the Masters on my computer. Blues playoff push. Can't get much better. That's right. It is really the, the greatest time in the sports calendar. The fall is awesome, but there's just something about the hope that comes with spring, too, that makes it just a little bit sweeter, Nick. Yeah, and, you know, what the Cardinals did yesterday makes today a little bit easier, too. That's right. Well, Nick, are you ready to take on Randy? Let's do it. All right, well, good luck to you. Question number one, what pitcher holds the record for longest consecutive scoreless innings pitched with 59 innings pitched? Is it Don's Drys- Don Drysdale, excuse me, Oral Hershiser, or Danny Jackson? That'd be Oral Hershiser. Which Boston Celtic won the 1972 NBA MVP award? Was that Dave Cowens, John Havlicek, or Jojo White? Can you say those one more time? Was that Dave Cowens, John Havlicek, or Jojo White? 
I have no idea, so I'm going to go to Dave Cowan. <laughs> Question number three, Nick. On this day in 2001, Tiger Woods won his second Masters and sixth major, beating which golfer by two strokes to complete the Tiger Slam? Was it Chris DeMarco, Phil Mickelson, or David Duvall? Chris DeMarco. And who was the first Cardinal to win the NL Rookie of the Year? Was it Wally Moon, Bill Verdon, or Bake McBride? I'm a Wally Moon. Okay, let's check Nick's score. Yeah, confirmed. Waving in Randy. Nick, you did well. I can't tell you exactly how well, but you should have some confidence. <laughs> well, That's all I'm saying. Basketball, I, I know nothing about basketball. Baseball, no. golf, hockey, I'm good with. Basketball, not so much. Nice. Well, Randy, say good morning to Nick. Nick, good morning. How you doing? I'm good. I'm in Nashville. Listen to you guys on the app every single morning for the last year or so, so I'm happy to be here. Well, we appreciate you listening from Nashville. Thank you very much, and it's great to have you with us. Awesome. That's always so cool when we get to hear from people who live outside of St. Yeah. Louis that stream us every morning. I love that. Fantastic. I love that we get to share our mornings with people. It's a very cool thing. It is. All right, Randy, are you ready to go? I'm ready. All right. Just to let you know, Nick did well. Good. He did well, okay? Mm-hmm. So... Don't know if that intimidates you, but... I'm thoroughly intimidated. I can tell. What pitcher holds the record for longest consecutive scoreless innings pitched with 59? 59 consecutive innings pitched. This is not the uh, Brad Thompson 57 and two-thirds at the minor league level with the Tennessee Smokies. I believe that the record that Oral Hershiser set in 1988 has not been eclipsed. So I'm going to go with, uh, as Whitey would call him, Oral Herheiser. <laughs> oh, I see why. Uh, which Boston Celtic won the 1972 NBA MVP award? 1972. 72. Okay. I don't think Hondo Havlicek was around yet. And I don't think that Bill Russell was in his prime anymore. So, and we were still seven years away from Larry Bird. I'll do the old lifeline here. Is it Dave Cowens, John Havlicek, or JoJo White? So Havlicek was still around. I know Cowens was really good in the late 70s. He was the star of that 76 team that went to the finals. But I guess I'll go Hondo. I'm really surprised, by the way, that it was the Celtic that won the 1972 MVP when Lou Alcindor had the year that he had. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. What's your final answer, Randy? I'm going with uh, John Havlicek. Okay. That's what I thought. Just wanted to confirm. Question number three. On this day in 2001, Tiger Woods won his second Masters and sixth Major, beating which golfer by two strokes to complete the Tiger Slam? Who finished second in the Masters? Yeah, this is always good. In 2001. 2001. Yeah, 20 years ago. Second in the Masters. (laughs) Okay. This is one that we all should know. (laughs) And I will, oh, 2001. I will, uh, let me think here. Because again, you had people that were out of their prime. It would seem like Phil would be a good call here. So I'll just play the field and go go Phil. All right. And who was the first Cardinal to win the NL Rookie of the Year? That would have been uh, Wally Moon, I believe. What a fight today. What a fight on a Friday. Someone got three correct. Someone got two. Hmm. 
Randy, what was that grimace you just gave me? I think I only got two. Is he correct? Did Randy lose today to Nick? Matt, ring the bell. The winner and new champion of the fight. Average Joe Listener. Brought to you by High and Dry Foundation Repair. Home of the non-commission-based sales force and hassle-free warranty. Nashville Zone, Nick is our new champion yeah. here on 101 ESPN. Congratulations, Nick. Thanks. Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty pleased with that. You should be. You just took down Megamind. You should be very pleased with that. Yeah, I know. I got the, he only got two. Usually he gets three or four, so I, I must have lucked out. That's right, Nick. Well, no, it's not luck. It's skill, okay? Give yourself a little bit more credit. And with this win today, that means you're coming back on Monday, and you'll try to get one step closer to the Hall of Fame. So we'll talk to you then. Have a great weekend. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Go, go Birds. Thanks, Nick. Randy. Mm-hmm. You lost today. I'm sorry. Yeah. Nick's <laughs> from Nashville. Good guy. I like him. I'm happy. I'm good. All right, good. Oral Hershiser holds the record for longest consecutive scoreless innings pitched with 59. Dave Cowens is the Boston Celtic mm. that won the 1972 NBA MVP award. Tiger Woods won his second Masters and sixth major on this day in 2001. He beat David Duvall by two strokes to complete the Tiger Slam. And Wally Moon was the first Cardinal to win the National League Rookie of the Year. He did so in 1954. All righty. That's a good job by Nick. Coming up next, speaking of Tiger Woods, Chris Zimmerman was at Nike when Tiger showed up there. The Blues president joins us next to talk about that and some Blues talk as well on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, 101 ESPN, your home of the St. Louis Blues. I'll have the pregame. I'm in for Alex Ferrario tonight at 6. Blues and Wild with Chris Kerber and Joe Vitale coming up at 7. And we welcome to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line, Chris Zimmerman, the president of the Blues, who in a previous occupation was the president of Nike Golf when Tiger Woods arrived on the scene there. Chris, good morning. Great to have you with us. How are you doing? Big, big weekend in the sports world, that's for sure. Everybody that I was around yesterday said, this is their favorite. Opening day of the baseball season, stretch run of the hockey season, and Masters weekend. Can I, yeah, well, you might not be surprised by this. I'm going to throw in the Frozen Four as well, which a couple of great games on that. And uh, coming back to St. Louis in a few years. So it is an amazing weekend. Chris, as somebody who's been in the sports world throughout your adult life, give us your impressions of what Tiger Woods is doing in playing this weekend. Well, I think I think there are very few human beings that that would be out there. Quite honestly, he his commitment, focus, his belief in in himself, all of the things that made him. You know, really, from from those early years of breaking in and winning amateurs and then turning pro, his, his focus is like no one else's, and um, and in some ways, you know, certainly on the physical part, I think his 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 commitment and and really, I'd even throw in the word courage in this case, are really off the charts. 
Well, Chris, we want to hear about your time at Nike and how the Tiger Woods-Nike partnership came to be. Because when you look back at iconic brand partnerships, Tiger and Nike is right at the top of the list. And it really changed the way that golfers particularly look at endorsements. So how did Tiger Woods and Nike Golf end up together? So, um, you know, everybody obviously saw Tiger coming along and and what he was go- going, what what the golf board believes he could be. Um, you know, he had won. He was at Stanford. He had won two uh, two U.S. amateurs, and he was came uh, to uh, Portland, Oregon, to Pumpkin Ridge Golf Course, just 20 minutes from Nike to play in his final U.S. amateur. And the world really knew he was ready to turn pro as well after that. And, um, you know, it, it his emergence came at a time when um, Nike was growing pretty dramatically, moving into some new sports. At the time, there were really two, the two biggest New new relationships, if you will, that that were signed at that time. One was the Brazilian national soccer team, the greatest soccer club, or you know, certainly national team at that time in the world, and that was going to be a key part of Nike's ability to, to grow in soccer. And then the other one was Tiger Woods, and uh, he was certainly signed because he was an amazing golfer, but just as much as that. It was about investing in a, I think, a generational athlete that was going to help change the sport. Chris Zimmerman, president of the Blues and former president of Nike Golf with us on 101 ESPN. And Chris, we've heard over the years about his attention to detail. Can you talk a little bit about product development with Tiger? For example, were the irons that he used really duplicates or replicas of what Titleist was making? What was, his, especially at a young age, his attention to detail and what he wanted his personality like in that regard? Yeah, so he... Um well, the, I'm gonna. Get, the simple thing I'll tell you is he was a freak, <laughs> an equipment freak in terms of his um, understanding of his needs and, and his attention to every detail. Um, you asked the question about you know were these just replicas? So the first product, equipment product that he changed over to um, from Titleist was his golf ball, and that was. Uh, that was in the year 2000, and uh, Nike worked. We had a, a partnership with another um, manufacturer, and, well, it was no secret. It was Bridgestone, who was making um, a solid core ball, which was different than the, the ball that was being played on the tour by, by most Titleist players. And uh, Nike engineers worked with uh, Bridgestone for probably nine to ten months, multiple, multiple rounds, continuing to change the product so that it worked specifically for Tiger. Um, the fi- one, of the mo- one of the interesting things was the final stage. We kept getting closer and closer, and he said, I need you guys to work on the sound. And, and because he had this sense of what he, me- what he had gotten so used to hearing. So maybe the one part of the Nike ball that was closest to his Titleist was getting the sound right. And there, there were, um, when, when he switched over to the Nike driver, same thing, multiple rounds of development 
um, and really fine-tuning and his ability to understand his needs and, and how he expected to see the ball in the air. All of those elements were, you know, very unique to him. And we've heard stories about him holding a ball in his hand and knowing that the weight of a ball was off. Uh, actually, it was the driver. The driver, okay. So we, we, we tested, we went and tested four drivers. It was one of the last stages. And uh, he hits each one, turns it around. And he, he turns to the guys and says, well, I don't, let's take the heavy one out. And, and our, our product development guys, they, they looked at each other. They, they were stunned. And <laughs> they went back after. And somehow, because the weight and the, of the shaft, the head, all those things were so critical, the one he said was heaviest was essentially the weight of a dollar bill difference. Wow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's outrageous that he could sense that. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's when I said earlier that he was a freak. It was those types of, of, of assessment and understanding and sensitivity to every element of his game that was so impressive. Well, Chris, Tiger has worn head-to-toe Nike for about a quarter century now, so when he wears something new that's not Nike, it's going to draw some considerable buzz. And when he debuted those Foot Joy shoes at the Masters, a lot of people were wondering why he wasn't wearing Nike shoes. What do you think the reaction or the conversation was like internally at Nike, knowing that this is what Tiger had to do in order for him to have the best situation as far as footwear is concerned for him to win, but knowing that he's not going to be wearing their product at Augusta? Yeah, you know, Michelle, I, I, I was lucky enough, I guess lucky is one way to put it, to, to see that happen a few different times. I, I think it might have happened with Andre Agassi during his um, you know, days when he was at the top of the tennis world. Um, it's not a fun conversation that goes on at Nike when that happens. And quite honestly, you know, when I heard that it, this was happening at the Masters, um, I wasn't shocked because obviously there's such a different need for his support right now and his recovery and the way his ankle moves or doesn't move. I think all of those things led to him needing a very different product and a product that um, you would have thought the Nike team would have by now. But but it's also at the same time despite the the obviously the the dramatic uh, sponsorship relationship and and all of those other things what what happens at Nike when that that um kind of situation develops is they take it as a challenge and you know it was one of the great great things about working at the company yeah, I was going to ask you, how long do you think it'll be before they have a shoe that is comfortable and structured enough so that Tiger will be able and willing to wear it on uh, in a major? Will it be the you next know, major I, in May? Uh, well, I don't know. It, it really depends on how long they've been having the, these conversations. Um, it's, it's hard to say. One would think so. But um, the the product development, it, you know, if they're really trying to build a very different type of shoe, um, it, it can take it does there it does take some time. So, 
Good. Hey, Chris, as we head down the stretch of the hockey season, I got a text from somebody the other night. I, I had a group that was going to the game, and they said, hey, what are the protocols right now? And I said, no. You, you just go to the game like you used to. We are pretty much back to where we were in terms of going to a hockey game, right? Randy, I think the most important protocol right now is fun. <laughs> um, ha- have fun and uh, enjoy being back together. Uh, it's, I mean, it's been really um, exciting for everybody who works around the team to, to get the energy of our building back and, and to see – how people are responding to um, to this team, and uh, you know, obviously tonight should be a uh, a great challenge. But the most rewarding thing I think for all of us is just seeing the energy that um, is happening every night in the building right now. And we're looking forward to it. I will see you tonight at Enterprise Center. Of course, we'll have the action here on 101 ESPN starting at 7 o'clock. Chris, great to get some insight about Tiger and especially this week in the Masters from you. Thanks so much for it, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks very much. Take care, guys. See ya. That is Chris Zimmerman, the president, the very successful president of the St. Louis Blues. And by the way, Michelle, organizationally, the Blues are at a better place than they've ever been in their history, and it's in large part because of Chris Zimmerman. Absolutely. Uh, The Blues are doing an outstanding job. But, Randy, can you imagine looking at Chris Zimmerman's career when they're having these conversations internally at Nike about the projections of what Tiger Woods could be and the impact that that brand partnership could ultimately make? I wonder if they ever even dreamed that it could be what it could be because the Tiger Woods, the TW brand with Nike became so synonymous with him and the, the red polo and just so many things about about the equipment that he used, that everybody wanted to go out and buy the same things that Tiger used, whether it was his clubs or the polo or the hat. The amount of money and the impact that Tiger Woods has generated for Nike is probably farther than they could have ever dreamed. I'm sure that they were saying, well, maybe we could have the Michael Jordan of golf, but (laughs) thought that, but never, like you said, dreamed that it could be a guy that, like Michael changed basketball, changed an Mm -hmm. entire sport like he did. And that association, that's why it's incredible to me that he's wearing foot joys this weekend is because, like Chris said, I'm really surprised that since that accident, since last February, Nike hasn't come up with a very supportive shoe for Tiger to wear this weekend. But as Chris also said, I'm sure that they are working on it furiously, (laughs) and we will see it come out soon. (laughs) The Cardinals are off today. The Blues are in action tonight. But yesterday was one of the more special opening days that we'll ever witness. Why? We'll tell you next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seiden Stricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at SNPartners.com. When the relationship between a championship player and the team that drafted him reaches its finale, it's a moment worth its weight in gold. In this case, platinum and silver too. Please welcome a fixture of the Cardinals since he took his first at bat in 2004. Nine gold gloves, four platinum gloves, 2,000 hits, 10 all-star games, four pennants, and two world championships. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the greatest defensive catchers of all time, Yadier Molina. 
fun. That was chill-inducing yesterday at the ballpark. John Hewlett on the PA as the Cardinals introduced not only Yadier Molina, but before him, Albert Pujols and Adam Wainwright. And I think that got people going a little bit. I think that kind of got people hyperventilating. I have goosebumps now hearing it again for the second time. But being there in person yesterday and getting to feel the energy that was pulsating through the ballpark and through downtown, Randy, it was just such an awesome day. And after two years of not having an Mm -hmm. opening day like we're used to and having the full fanfare and all of the majesty and grandeur of what any home opener is, but knowing that it's Yadier Molina's final home opener, knowing that it's Albert Pujols' return to St. Louis, Adam Wainwright gets the ball, having so many of the, the red jacket guys. I think there was only three of them that weren't there yesterday. Mm -hmm. It was just from start to finish, from top to bottom, a perfect day for St. Louis Cardinals baseball. So if you're a player that is active right now and you're watching all of this unfold yesterday, for example, if you're Tyler O'Neill, what are you thinking when you see all of this? Again, those guys are walking Hall of Famers. Um, we We gotta see it in in the hallway on TV, so unfortunately we couldn't hear the the loudest roars. But uh, they were they were there all game, <laughs> and I'm sure they're going to be there again next game. And they'll be there all season long, and that's what makes this season special. Now you hope that three guys that are either in their late 30s or early 40s can maintain over the course of six months and help provide enough wins for the Cardinals to make it to the playoffs. We don't know if that's possible, but. At least from the standpoint of nostalgia, this is going to be a really awesome season. It is, and I hope that we savor it. I I know yesterday everybody was really soaking in the moment, but I hope that we're still remembering if the Cardinals have a lull or it's a a tough point in the season or we're in July, Randy, in the dog days of the season, that we still have the foresight to remember this is a really special confluence of events that we're witnessing this season. And even if things aren't great at points. I hope that we still remember that. I hope that we remember that this is rare and that we're not going to see something like this again. That's the key. And Bob Costas told us yesterday, right? Go back to the old Harry Carey line with Stan Musial. Take a good look, folks. Take a good look because this is the likes that you'll never see again. And that's obviously definitely the case with Molina and with Albert Pujols. And I think you also have to take into consideration the fact that even if uh, Adam Wainwright does not retire we're seeing probably the best that he's going to be. As much as we love Adam Wainwright, as much respect as we have for his conditioning, very few guys get better after they turn 40 years old. Adam Wainwright, Tom Brady, who else Mm -hmm. can we throw in that category? Yeah, right. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah. Well, not in an era where you don't have PEDs. Right. And so... Vinny Testaverde. Hmm? Vinny Testaverde. Oh, yeah, Vinny Testaverde. There you go. Yeah, he won a Heisman Trophy in his 20s. So it, you do have to understand, and especially if you're a family going to a game, that you're witnessing history. You really are. And yesterday we had the ovations for Albert Pujols, but the magical moments that we were waiting for at the plate, they didn't come. But you know who did deliver is Adam Wainwright again. 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 When's the last time that there's been a big moment or a time where the Cardinals needed to pick me up or the Cardinals needed someone to set the tone and Adam Wainwright got the ball and he didn't deliver? Can you remember a time? We have to go back to 
2019? Maybe. Probably. I keep thinking about last year on his birthday when when he d- has the CG shut piece or mm-hmm. in 2020 when he gets the ball and he needs to rally his team to a victory and he does it. There's just so many times over the past few years where because of his age, we wonder if he has it or because of the circumstances, we think it's unfair to place this pressure upon him and he continuously delivers. And he is not coming to us in the media and saying, the team can jump on my back. He's texting his players mm-hmm. and saying, okay, I got you guys. That's right. This one's on me. Don't worry about it. We're going to win and I- I've got you. And then we don't hear about it until afterwards that he he, he said, oh yeah, we're going to... I'm going to do this, and we're going to win the game. And if you're a teammate and you get a text from Adam Wainwright like that, and you know that he's going to step up to the plate, and he's going to he's going to text you and say, I got this, don't you worry. Doesn't that fire you up? Doesn't Big that time. make you want to back him up because you know he's going to deliver for you guys? Yeah. Oliver Marmol was asked about his opening day starter. Yeah, he was in control of that outing. I agree with you. He had a little more in the tank. First time out, um, we wanted to make sure he got his work in. We felt comfortable going to the pen there later on. A month from now, he probably gets another inning. Should note that Adam Wainwright told us on Wednesday that he feels better now at the age of 40 than he did when he was 35. Whatever he's doing, I want to do it too. Alex Guerrero. Can we get on the Alex Guerrero program, Randy? I want to age backwards too. By the way, we should tell people about our conversation with Mark McGuire. Who's in spectacular condition right he now? He looked great. Before we took our selfie, we were chatting with Mark about how, about his workouts, how he's looking, how he's feeling. He's plant based now. He's eating almost mm-hmm. exclusively vegan. And I said to you during a break today, should I go vegan? If Mark McGuire looks that good, and more importantly, he said he feels so good. Mm-hmm. His son's a vegan, and so their family really uh, takes great care in what they put in in their bodies. Um, he was t- mentioning one of his daughters is gluten free. So right. he was saying that when they go to a restaurant, it's so funny to have them all order. <laughs> Because you have someone who's vegan and gluten free, plant based. But should we go vegan, Randy? Should we follow the Mark McGuire trend here? Feel free to give it a try. You're not going to do it, though? I don't think I can. Me? I've had enough difficulty avoiding red meat during Lent, which I have been successful at. Congratulations. I have not had any red meat, but I'm not going to, like, the, the Sunday after Easter. Can I eat red meat the Sunday after Easter? I've, yeah. I've, I've achieved my Easter. goal, right? Yeah, on Easter. Yeah, so you I'm, can eat whatever you I'm want. going to Schnucks and get myself a giant ribeye oh, nice. to put on the Traeger. But Mark spent four months with no food that he chewed. He, he detoxed by having six smoothies a, way, a day. There were three green plant-based smoothies and then, I believe, three fruit smoothies. So it was six a day so that he kept his metabolism up. He said he was never hungry, but... Four months of that to detoxify. And so now his body is really, really pure. And this is a guy that, Michelle, when he was playing, he was eating two steaks a day. Wow. Got to get that protein in, though. We talk a lot about him and talk to him about mental toughness. I don't have the mental toughness to do that for four days, let alone four months of only eating smoothies. No, I don't either. I did one cleanse that was three days long randy and at the end of it i was delirious i was hangry Mm -hmm. i had no energy at all to think that he could do that for four months and then start working foods back in tells you that the mental toughness is off the charts and the reason that we bring this up is because it would not be a bad thing for young athletes for as much as we talk about young athletes going to mcdonald's or Mm -hmm. the players in the minors getting peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that's what 
Major League Baseball owners want them to subsist on is is peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. How smart would it be to have Mark McGuire down in Jupiter for a couple of days with your minor leaguer saying, here is how you eat, here is what nutrition is all about, and here is how I can help you learn about nutrition. And by the way, here's my number. If you want to know about hitting or nutrition, just shoot me a text. I would like all these young players should just go through the full Mark McGuire boot camp, not only the nutrition aspect of this. I want them to talk to, to hear Mark McGuire talk about hitting his feeling and about what they need to do to get in the right mental space mm-hmm. in order to hit. I want him to talk to them about visualizing and meditating and all of the great the things way, that he, he shared with us. I know people are te- shooting your text right now. You can stop. He could also talk to them about the mistakes he's made. Absolutely. And isn't that such a valuable lesson? Mm -hmm. He talked with us about how some of the greatest moments in his life come from failure and come from the tough times. And that's an incredible resource for you to have as somebody that not only has done certain things right to have success, but who's also dealt with adversity and can teach you how to navigate that, too. Or more importantly, give you a guidebook of what not to do or some pitfalls that might await, await you when you get to the top. And he loves this organization. And I would suggest... That if you ask in a, in a private, truthful moment, if you ask Bill DeWitt Jr. to name his five favorite players since he owned the franchise, I can almost guarantee, in fact, I will guarantee that Mark McGuire will be on that list of his five favorite guys. And because of Mark's, he, he is an honorable gentleman. His Because of the, the, the honor that he displayed in staying in St. Louis and then not staying in St. Louis when he could have just signed a $30 million contract when he knew he couldn't play anymore. Yeah, if someone saved me $30 million, they'd be one of my favorite yeah, people yeah. too. Absolutely. But I think it was more than the money. I think it was the honor. Of course. No, I was just teasing. Yeah, I but know. I, I can see why, if you're Mr. DeWitt, you would have such an affection for someone like Mark McGuire. Just even our phone conversations, Randy, when we've gotten to interview him, he's so transparent and thoughtful in his mm-hmm. answers. You can tell that he has such reverence for the Cardinals, but more than that, he cares about the game yeah. as a whole. He really feels like he is a steward of baseball as a whole and loves the game. I mean, just listening to him talk about Albert Pujols when he was talking about how lucky baseball is to have Albert Pujols back in St. Louis and how lucky baseball is to have been able to witness the greatness of somebody like Albert Pujols. He always puts it in a scope that's bigger than him. So if I'm someone that had employed him at one time or had a relationship with him, I I would love the guy too. I love the guy now. But if if that person was representing you and that was the person that helped represent what you've built in your organization, you'd you'd love it. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. This is 101 ESPN. Coming up, John Mozilak gave us his thoughts about his 2022 rotation yesterday and his lineup as well. Do we agree with the Cardinal Pobo? Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. If you are a fan of about 28 of the Major League Baseball teams, you have fair and reasonable questions about your team's starting rotation. There are a few teams that feel really, really good about their rotation heading into the season, but even the Padres, who have seven or eight starters, and they traded Chris Paddock yesterday. But even the Padres have some injury issues that they have to deal with. The Dodgers certainly do, and the Cardinals do. We asked Pobo John Mozeliak yesterday about why we should feel more comfortable with this rotation after what happened last year. 
I think we could all agree we, you know, Wayno is is Wayno. As long as he can keep spinning it, he's got a chance. Uh, Michaelis, I think, is is entering the season healthy, confident, and wants to show you know what he's capable of doing. So we feel good about that. Matt's is someone that was a free agent. Um, obviously, we weren't the only team that that thought a lot of him, but we were lucky to get him. And then Hudson, prior to him having Tommy John, was you know for us an emerging middle of the rotation type of starter. So, you know, he's feeling great. I think we can expect him to be what we thought he was going to be two years ago. And then Verhagen is someone that we identified uh, prior to the lockout, signed him after the lockout, but a strike thrower, ground ball pitcher who can eat innings. And as you probably heard yesterday that we are going to start Jordan Hicks and, and give him an opportunity to grow into that role nice that we can have an expanded roster for the month of April. In other words, we're going to be playing at 28 instead of 26. So we can, we can make sure that we have guys behind him or lined up that can eat those innings. So look, is there a perfect rotation on opening day? No. But do we have a lot of confidence in where it's going? Yes. A couple, number one, Michelle, it's remarkable how much better it sounds if you have Jack Flaherty in there rather than Jordan Hicks. Mm -hmm. And I don't have much uh, confidence, based on what we've seen at this level, in Jordan Hicks being able to be a guy that goes five innings on a regular basis. So they need, in my opinion, to have Jack Flaherty back at some point because if you're only getting two or three innings out of a starter, it's going to blow out your bullpen. An opener is a great idea, but you don't want to destroy your bullpen because you're using an opener. But I think if we're looking at it through the John Mosellock lens, you're you're doing this as a creative solution, and it's a short-term thing mm-hmm. because Jack Flaherty is coming back. But I think as a fan, you've dealt with this with you're looking through it as a, through a fan lens, where the Cardinals have said we're confident in an injury not being super severe, and then a couple months later, we're still talking about it, mm-hmm. and it's it hasn't healed or or been. Uh, a situation that has settled itself. So I understand why John Mozalek would be looking at it through the lens he's looking at it through, but I also understand why fans are a little bit more reluctant to buy into that. And by the way, even the best rotations in baseball, like the rotation Tony has in Chicago, you lose Lance Lynn for a month and he's your number one guy. You still have Giolito and Cease and Keuchel and they've got Kopech in the rotation this year and a guy like Ronaldo Lopez because they lost Rondon. So even if you're a White Sox fan, with all of their depth of starting pitching and all the quality of starting pitching and people that know how to run a, a rotation, I don't think even if you're them, you feel particularly great. You're probably pretty confident if you're a White Sox fan. But if you want to take a look at the other side, all you have to do is say, well, Kopech had his mental health issues. Ronaldo Lopez is kind of an unknown. Dallas Keuchel is old. It's been a long time since mm-hmm. he's been great. Mm-hmm. Dylan Cease is still unproven. Giolito, uh, we, we hope that he's found it, and I think he has. But I think every rotation in baseball, you can look at it and, and say, boy, I don't know. Atlanta has a great rotation, but uh-huh. all their guys have been hurt. Yeah, there's two sides to every coin, yeah. right? And when John Mozeliak answers your question, he's looking at it through well, what if it works out? This, These yeah. are the positives that we're looking at with every one of these pitchers, and these are the positive projections that we're looking at, and we're countering with, okay, but these guys are returning from injury. How, how long are you going to use Jordan Hicks? What if Adam Wainwright at some point is not Adam Wainwright? If Jack mm-hmm. Flaherty's not coming back? I think if you're the organization, you've probably run through every possible scenario, and you're just looking at it that the the upside and the, and the reward is higher than what you believe the perceived risk to be. Yeah, no doubt about it. And 
The other issue with the Cardinals, and I don't know that it is an issue. We saw yesterday nine runs. What about the lineup? Look, two and a half weeks, what do you really know? But when you look at this club, especially the everyday lineup, you kind of know what you're getting, right? I mean, you know, we're talking a lot about Yachty, Wayno, and Pujols. But when you, when you really put nostalgia behind you and think about this team, you know, it's, it's Arnato and Goldie. You have emerging stars like O'Neal and, and Bader and Carlson. We're pretty confident what this group is capable of doing, regardless of, of how long we got to look at them. And they should be confident, based on what we saw last year, what we know about what people are ty- like Tyler O'Neill and Bader and Carlson and Arenado and Goldie are when the even Paul DeYoung at the top of his game, like you, you're asking, what if everything goes right? Mm-hmm. It could be really a a great lineup, even when you move beyond the nostalgia, and could be the last year's performance by Albert Pujols against the left-hander against left-handers was an outlier. Yachty could continue to decline offensively like he has the last five years, but even if that happens, you still have really good talent surrounding those guys. How many questions do you realistically have about the lineup? I mean, if we're going one through eight, one through nine. I, I question the middle infield. Yeah, just if, in terms of hitters, I, I like the top six a lot. If mm-hmm. you want to take a look at the lineup, I like the top six. If you have Carlson, Goldie, Arenado, uh, O'Neill, Arenado, the DH combo I-, I like a lot, and then DeYoung is a number six. I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. Now, and after a positive spring training, you're right, feeling better about him. Right now, do I question the ability of? And by the way, I like Bader at number nine too, mm-hmm. uh, or eight, wherever he hits down there. Some speed. But my questions are about the second baseman and about the catcher, but. The, the defense is so good from those two, I'm willing to take their bats. I just think we we tend to zero in on one or two questions that we have, and sometimes we can conflate those. But when you think about actually in totality the lineup as a whole, mm-hmm. I think it's a, a pretty solid group it that is. you can feel yeah. confident about. And they've got a reasonable amount of depth when you— as opposed to last year when you had all the rookies, feel better about Newt Bar than I felt about Justin Williams last year. I felt feel better about Sosa this year than mm-hmm. I felt at this time last year. Yep. I feel better about Kisner right now than I felt about him at this time last year. And then you add Dickerson and Pujols into the mix. I feel better about the veterans coming off the bench, whoever it might be, than I felt about. I don't even. It was a rookie last year, but it, it wasn't a very good one. So veterans I, coming off the bench yeah. last year. Oh, you know who Matt it was? Carpenter? It was the uh, was an option? Marp and the guy who wound up in. Uh, that Jamie Rivers loved, wound up in Pittsburgh, Nagowski. Mm, oh, yeah. I, I feel better about Pujols and, and Dickerson than I felt about John Nagowski. And you know who else we feel much better about? Think about this time last year, all the questions we had about the outfield. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And think about how much more. I, I That might be the most drastically diff, different confidence vote that we have in any one aspect of the team. Last year at this point, we were still talking about Randy Rosarena mm-hmm. and how Mo better be right, that these are the three that he has confidence in and that he settled on. And now we're talking about two gold glovers, a guy who finished third in rookie of the year, and three guys that you think are going to continue to take step, steps forward offensively. Could have a guy that finished first in rookie of the year. Okay, fine. True. But I'm just saying, at this point last year, we had a far more questions about the outfield than we do now. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. It's coming up on 930 on 101 ESPN time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. You're killing me, Smalls. Coming your way. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. And it is officially time for... You're killing me, Smalls! Randy, I still have people texting me about our Mark McGuire selfie. That might be one of the peaks of our show. And in the three opening days that we've done together, Mm -hmm. I would say getting a selfie with Mark McGuire is right at the top. I would say that, yeah, is top of the list. Top of the heap. Because... The first one, there was nobody there. Literally nobody there because it was in the midst of the pandemic. It was, what, July 24th of 2020? Yes. And it was the start of the 60-game season. Last year was fun. We were outdoors. It was cold, but we really didn't, you know, we just kind of did the show. It was you and me and Danny Mac. Mm -hmm. And so yesterday was special that we got a chance to interact with people and see people that we hadn't seen in a long time or get together with people that we just adore and Mark McGuire is one of those. So I would uh, I would go with you there that that is I, just that group having Ozzy come in and and say hi, having Izzy greet us at the door, having Joe Torre tell stories. It was just so cool and so fun. And I, I always make it a point to tell Joe Torre how much I appreciated covering him as a manager mm-hmm. because he was as good as it got and understands and understood. He said, hey, I know you got a job to do. Yeah. One of the, the great things about talking to people who are really ingrained and dedicated to what they do in sports, whether it's a former manager or a coach or a player, is that you can bring up almost any instance or any play and they're going to give you a very detailed Mm -hmm. and very accurate response about what happened and yesterday we're chopping it up with Joe Torre and Randy brings up one specific game to him and he's like actually no Randy it was this picture this was the score this is how we won or lost the game I just can't understand how how these athletes can have such great recall about things like that. Joe Torre remembers every moment that he managed. He remembers all of his b- great baseball moments. 162 games a year. Yes. And he remembers a game from July 18th of 1994. Unbelievable. Yeah. And details and walking out to the mound and it was Alan Watson on the mound and the Cardinals had an 11 nothing lead in the first inning and he walks out to the mound and Watson is kicking and Joe actually is, starts kicking at the ground yeah. and he's just kicking at the ground like this and says and I ask Alan what's wrong and he said I can't believe that ball got through and Joe said you're up 11 to nothing <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> and the Cardinals he said we were down 15-12 like in the fifth inning and wound up losing the game yes um, okay so we were really really excited and amped yesterday because we got our selfie with Mark McGuire yeah. he requested it and we were more than happy to deliver and you can see our picture by the way on our social channels if you haven't already but Randy I, I don't think that anyone loves baseball or was more excited yesterday than Tim Kirkjian and he was excited for something that you might not really think he should be that excited about but yesterday we have the Reds and the Braves the Reds are up three to one in the bottom of the fifth and Joey Votto popped out to the pitcher and it was the first time in Joey Votto's career actually that he had popped out to the pitcher okay interesting trivia fact not necessarily something that you'd get overly hyped for unless you're <laughs> Tim Kirkshen who loves baseball history and couldn't believe what he just saw well going into tonight's game Joey Votto had over 8,000 plate appearances in the career two pop outs to the catcher in his career two to the first baseman and zero to the pitcher until tonight that's the first time he's ever popped out to the pitcher flying down here for this trip I said 
The only thing I want to happen on opening night when we have the game is for Joey Votto to pop out to the pitcher, and then it happened. It's unbelievable. <laughs> that is so great. And the voice inflection, the reaction, it's just spectacular. He, he is so excited about it, Randy, that it gets me so excited about it. And think about that. Just pop-ups on the infield. Two to the catcher, two to the first baseman, and now finally one to the pitcher. For as long as Joey Votto's been around, like Tim mentioned, more than 8,000 career plate appearances, that is a phenomenal stat. And there's something that you see when you go to a baseball game that you've never seen before. And here's another example. Yes, and that's one of the reasons why we love sports. Mm -hmm. You're killing me, Smalls. Randy, do you think that you could get off the internet at any point, just for an extended period of time, just remove yourself no, from the internet? I couldn't. What if this wasn't your job and you weren't required to be on the internet? Then I could. If you're, if you hit the lottery tomorrow, you got a hundred million dollars, and you could just do whatever you want. You think you you just wouldn't check Instagram or Twitter that, or Facebook? You could just walk away, or even really Google something. I could. I, I've th- I've imagined going off the grid. Mm-hmm. Be hard to do, but I could do it. I, it's really hard to do now because you need apps. Yes. So you really need to be like the Unabomber <laughs> and be a, a, somebody who really can make an effort to be alone and not have anybody have any idea where you are or any interest in where you are. So it's a dream of mine, too, to just delete all of social media mm-hmm. and walk away and never have to check it or worry about it. Selena Gomez was on Good Morning America, and she said that in April of 2020, she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And one of the things that really helped improve her emotional well-being was getting offline. She said she hasn't been on the Internet in four and a half years. Wow. She said it's changed her life completely. She's happier. She's more present. She connects with people and it makes her feel normal. Four and a half years to be offline. Could you do it? Four and a half years. We're not talking four and a half weeks. Four and a half years, no internet. So no email even? Well, she, and I know she's a rarity because she probably has assistants that handle yeah, everything true, yeah. for her. Um, but let's even say you could yeah. still do email. How old is Seago? About 30, 29? We're calling her Seago now? Oh, yeah. Seago? Her name's Selena. Selena, S-E. And then her last name starts with G-O, oh, right? Seago. Oh, Randy. Nadeb and Seago? Yeah. No. Okay, let me, I'm Googling this right now, how old she is. I, as I'm using the internet, talking about her... Come on. You have the wor- the best part of that. The relax that sticks the landing there. That's not in there. There we go. The, the relax. We're going to be okay. I love that it's part. It's the pop of the mic, too. The fact that he gets it just like yeah. that little like gravel relax. to it. <laughs> relax. Relax. Well, Selena Gomez is, in fact, relaxed. She's 29. Okay. She's going to be 30 this year. But four and a half years. I was just wanted to throw that by you. Could you do Ooh. it? It would be very difficult, Michelle. You know what I would miss the most, Randy? It's not mm. photos on Instagram. It's not uh, re- getting the reminder of whose birthday it is on Facebook. It would be memes. The memes that my the friends memes? send me every day right. that make me laugh. I think I would miss the memes. Hey, just the other night when we had the one shining moment put to the Lakers season. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> Randy texts us late at night and it's a video of one shining, to the tune of one shining moment of just all the mishaps and errors from the Lakers season. I passed that on, by the way, to like three people. It's a Lakers troll, by the way, who put it out on his burner account because he's blocked by so many Lakers people on his main account. So he used his burner account to hit Lakers fans with that video, which is why Twitter is a hellscape and social media is bad, but I could never get away because if you dive into like NBA Twitter, 
if you're a nerd, first of all, you get the best stats in the world, like that Donovan Mitchell two passes per game to Rudy Gobert thing. So I, I, I could never do it. There's too much good stuff out there for a sports fan. Four and a half years. I could do it. It's, it, it. That would be really, really difficult. That's all I got for you. All right. Well, uh, so are you all in or are you all out on Seagull? I don't know who you're referring to. That would be Selena Gomez. Oh, I've never... Yeah, it's kind I'm of ambiguous. It's that. kind of figure. It's tough to figure out because, like, could I mean, be Carlos Gomez. Yeah, like Cargo. Like, his nickname's Cargo. Cargo. There you go. His nickname's Cargo. So I'm confused. But some so people could call Car- him Cargo. What about Selgo? No. It's it's. Come on, man. <laughs> no. Why don't you like this? This is so much fun. Seago. Seago. Selgo. Seago. S e. Seago. Selena. S e. Did you watch her show? By the way, with Steve Martin and Martin Short. I did not. It's was uh, it good? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Only was, Murders in the Building is fantastic. Only Murders in the Building is great, yeah. And they're coming back for a second season, so you'll enjoy it. Yeah, that was okay, a lot great. of fun. You're right there. Yeah. I know, Randy, that you're a big fan of Selena Gomez because she was half of one of your favorite celebrity couples of all time, Selena Gomez and Justin Bieber. Oh, yeah. That was fun. I remember you loved them. And uh, she was on that show that my daughter watched uh, about a, a young witch or whatever it was. I don't remember. To 65780, you can tell us what it was. As we head down the stretch of Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So this morning, I came downstairs, and as usual, uh, my wife had made me scrambled eggs, and she also had made me hot chocolate. I said, why do I need hot chocolate? It's 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 April. It's April 8th. I don't need hot chocolate on April 8th. As it turns out, Michelle and Matthew, I did need hot chocolate because it is cold and snowy in St. Louis. As a matter of fact, at the moment, according to my telephone, my internet, it's 36 degrees and we have a freeze warning. Great. Welcome back, Albert. <laughs> Way to leave California. Welcome back, Cardinals. You were just in yeah. Jupiter. The sun was shining. It was warm. No doubt. Welcome back to St. Louis. What a bummer. What do we got coming up, though, weather-wise? I told you. You told be me like it's 76 nice on, on Sunday. Nice on Sunday, right? Love St. Louis. This is such a negative that we have, is these unpredictable and unfavorable weather patterns. Yeah, it is. What's the general response that we're getting to Seago? Are people positive about Seago? No one's positive about Seago, but everyone wants you to know it was the Wizards of Waverly Place. Wizards of Waverly Place. Yeah, I used to watch that show when I, when my daughter was younger. She watched it, and then I would watch it with her. That's cool. So, And uh, apparently, according to the 636, Selena was also on that documentary about a rare purple dinosaur as well. Oh. <laughs> Is that Barney? <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Barney, huh? Mm-hmm. Is Barney still out there going? Are the kids still watching Barney these I don't days? Know. I know Sesame no. Street is still popping, but yeah. what's going on with Barney? Yeah, I don't know. Is he extinct? I hope not. Speaking of documentaries, I used to always have the the uh, discussion with Chris Ranji about one of my favorite documentaries. It was about a doctor in Chicago that mm-hmm. was alleged to have killed his wife and of course, didn't really favorite. do it. And so they're, they're, he's in prison and there's a bus accident. And so he's trying to clear his name. And there's a one-armed man, apparently, that did it. It was a great documentary. And it's, <laughs> they show it like... What's the name of it? It was called uh, The Fugitive. The Fugitive. Oh, it was, I've it never was, seen it. It was about a guy that was a fugitive. Yeah. So that was a great documentary. He didn't kill his wife. 
No, I didn't kill my wife. So another thing that I do, I don't uh, care to my wife is like this morning she had so part of the documentary it, unbelievably it's got a camera in a hospital room he dresses up as a doctor because he is a doctor goes into a patient's room patient is sleeping and has breakfast sitting in front of him with a bagel and some scrambled eggs and the fugitive richard kimball makes a friday of scrambled egg sandwich and as he he's making it and taking this guy's food he says to the sleeping man Sorry, pal. And so Joan is walking by me this morning with her scrambled egg sandwich on the bagel. And I said, oh, where'd you get that? And she said, I made it. And I said, well, what'd you say to the person when you were making it? And she said, shut up. Because I always use the sorry, pal. (laughs) Hey, this is going to be a big weekend for the St. Louis Ambush. And Matthew Rocchio is going to be doing some play-by-play for the St. Louis Ambush this weekend. Yeah, yeah, they made the the playoffs. It was a great little run out there. So we're going to have a game out at St. Charles uh, Family Arena tonight. Uh, 7.35 will be the... the first kick, if you will, uh, as uh, our good friend Benjamin Hockman wants to start getting it called. So the first kick will be at 7.35 out there, and you can get tickets at uh, SCLAmbush.com. You can go to Ticketmaster. It's going to be a fun little night. And our good friend Lux is uh, is on the mic as well throughout the game, having a lot of fun. So, you know, we, we're, we're all we're all you know hanging out there uh, from Hubbard tonight. It's going to be great. Well, have Playoffs. a great weekend. Playoffs in St. Louis. Playoffs yeah. in St. Louis. There it is. The atmosphere just feel, feels right. Have a great time, sir. Thank you. I will. Thank you. And I will see you tonight before the game on the radio at Enterprise Center, 6 o'clock, Blues and Wild at 7, and then afterwards, join Curbs and I and Lutz Fahnensteel, Director of Sports for the St. Uh, St. Louis City SC. He'll be with us until midnight on the post-game show. We're looking forward to that. Long day for you, Randy. I don't mind. Long days are fun. I will be tuned in. I'll be listening. Thank you. You have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. We thank all of you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. And for all of us until Monday morning at 7, have a great weekend, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.